And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. It is the 19th of February. We're just, uh, feels like we're just getting going, but we're really not. We're closing out the rest of this season very quickly, as we just have 10 days essentially left in the regular season, a little bit more than that. March 1st will be the end of the regular season, and we are gearing up towards that point in time. And so welcome into the show, as we will certainly look at conference races um, that are important between now and then and talk to a number of coaches and guests coming up that will have an, uh, have some big games coming up, really, here in Division Three basketball. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That information is scrolling at the bottom of your screen. We will certainly take your questions throughout the show and especially at the end of the show. We will uh, be happy to chat Division Three basketball with you. Um, our guests today include, we'll jump out and talk Puget Sound women's basketball um, with a 21-ranked 21 Puget Sound basketball team. We'll also talk DePaul women's basketball with the 8th-ranked team. Um, their head coach joining us on the show. We'll also uh, talk uh, men's basketball um, our City of Salem School of the Week will be Averett. They'll be joining us out of the South region. We'll talk to uh, St. Mary's men's basketball coach Chris Harney, and we'll also talk to Clarkson's men's basketball coach. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville today. We'll also hear from Charlie Titus after 40 years of being the uh, basketball coach for, um, for Mass Boston. We will talk to him or hear from him as he close out his career from a wonderful little video from behind the beacon from the Mass Boston Athletics Department. They shared that video with us. We will get to hear from that as well. So that's all coming up on a jam-packed show. We will certainly go past our normal two hours. Not that normal two hours actually ever really exists in our lives, but that will all be coming up here on the show. Also talk regional rankings, which came out today. I don't think there were some major surprises. I was a little... Maybe surprised with somehow things are still sitting. For example, I'm a little surprised Albertus Magnus is sitting ninth in the regional rankings. Thought they would move up. I know they don't have the greatest resume in some of the categories, but they only have one loss on the season. And I think at some point in time that has to be recognized. Uh, it is clearly something I think the committees are battling with, but sitting ninth behind, for example, a 16-7 and seven Springfield squad seems a bit weird. I know Springfield has a pretty... Good SOS, but it seems like all New Mac and NESCAC teams have good SOSs. And I think that's resulted in some extra New Mac and, and NESCAC, NESCAC teams making the NCAA tournament in the past few years. Nothing against those teams. They certainly are doing well and scheduling well. But I would argue there are some out there who can do better uh, or have a better chance. Um, we'll see how that all translates, but Albertus Magnus seems a little surprising to me that they stayed in or stayed as low as they did in ninth. Uh, at some point, you got to reward a team for still winning. Um, how you do that, I don't know. Let's be honest. Their SOS is a 475. That is certainly not one of the worst in the regional rankings department. Penn State Baron has a 442, and that's pretty bad. Um, so. You know, Albertus Magnus, unfortunately, is going to be in a situation here where they're going to have to win their conference, I think, to avoid being eliminated. But it seems weird to say that. You know, if they lose in the conference championship game, like Staten Island did last year, are they seriously going to be off 
and onto uh, better plans. I don't know. It's it, that's that's that quandary. The same goes for a Penn State Baron. Two losses right now. That would be their third if they were to lose and be in that large bid with a 440-something SOS. Not great. Same thing goes really for a Marietta, though Marietta has a much better SOS, so maybe not the best example I could use. St. Norbert would be another example of that. And, uh, you know, Albertus Magnus sits there behind Springfield, but yet St. Norbert is a head of, of uh, Illinois Wesleyan, and a lot of the data, the spread and differences are the same. So for some reason, St. Norbert. Now, apparently St. Norbert may have some common opponents advantage over Illinois Wesleyan that Albertus Magnus has over nobody or doesn't have on anybody. We'll put it that way. So maybe that's in play. But still, some interesting developments on the men's side. Overall, I don't think I had a major problem with the rankings. I thought Virginia Wesleyan might fall behind Eastern Texas Baptist. They did. I thought there was a good chance that Mid-Atlantic would stay the same, and for the most part it did. I'm a little surprised Franklin and Marshall is still in there. Um, their SOS is 480, and I think they're getting a little bit of a nod they shouldn't be getting. But they just took another loss to Gettysburg, which is not reflected in those regional rankings, so that might shake it up by the time we talk to this uh, talk about these regional rankings next week. Uh, but I think the Centennial Conference will get two teams in, and, and Franklin Marshall to get in is going to have to win the AQ, I believe, because uh, that will be one more loss on their resume, and I think now they're in trouble. On the women's side, really the regional rankings, I think, panned out way I expected them to, but a couple more losses have happened. Wednesday night's a tough night. Salisbury losing to Marymount, first loss that Salisbury's had since the beginning of the year. At the same time, McDaniel lost to Johns Hopkins last night. That's all in the Mid-Atlantic region. Je McDaniel's in a situation similar to some others, like we talk about on the men's side, Albertus Magnus and others, where McDaniel's going to have to get in on the automatic qualifier despite very few losses. Two at, at this point. This you know They take one more, it's three. But their SOS is so low, you just can't imagine they're going to get in. So fascinating goings-ons, as it were. In Division Three basketball, with ten, you know, ten days left of, of competition, both of the regular season, regular season wrapping up, and then conference tournament action. Of course, some conference tournament action starting up as soon as Saturday, in the NESCAC, the NAACC, and, and elsewhere. And of course, with the UAA, they don't even play a conference tournament. They've got three games left: two coming up this weekend, and one the following weekend. But for everybody else, pretty much tournament action starts next week. And it'll be fascinating. And a lot of Pool C teams sitting on that bubble now are going to either need to go and make that run to the AQ or hope there aren't a lot of upsets. Upsets can do wonders to pop in bubbles. And that can start as early as now. So it's you know, if you've got questions for us, we can certainly give you our thoughts and opinions on things. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. And, of course, you can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops, or Facebook at us, I should say. Facebook us, hoopsville, uh, facebook.com slash hoopsville is how you can do that. So lots going on, and we'll try and break it all down for you and try and answer some of your questions if you have them. Certainly would love to hear from you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions as best we can. Again, lots of good coaches on the show today, and we'll and we'll hear from a lot and talk about situations like 
wrapping up the conference play and positioning yourselves for the best possible, and at the same time talking about um, getting ready for conference tournament action and how important that conference tournament action is for so many teams across the country. It's just it's not cut and dry anymore. Um, there may There's a handful of teams who certainly are locks to make the NCAA tournament. But even things like, for example, Whitewater falling behind Augustana this week in the in the regional rankings, based on the fact that they lost to Stevens Point, handing them a second loss on the season in Division Three, third overall, moving them behind Augustana, who has four regional losses, four overall, goes to show you that you know you can't assume um, you're you're in a safe spot. And you know, listen, Whitewater is probably a lock to make the NCAA tournament. But they're not locked to host at this point because another another stumble could hurt them. Um, so that you know you got to keep that stuff in mind. Um, you know it, why is Augustana ahead? Well, they got a better SOS, they got a better results versus regionally ranked, and they've got a better head-to-head. Obviously, a one and zero over Whitewater. Um, Whitewater only has the record really um, against Augustana. And when you get it that close and the records in the SOS are that different, it's going to go the other direction sometimes. And it, it went the other direction. Um, so hats off to them, to be sure, for get, doing what they needed to do. Um, the question now comes up is, can you know Whitewater not take another loss so they can guarantee themselves a host? I think they'll host, but it's just an example of you, just nothing's guaranteed. And again, we'll have now. You know, now the big thing is, um, you got you've got other changes taking place. So now, you know, we had results versus regionally ranked that affected these rankings. Well, now those rankings reset. Those results versus regionally ranked reset. And we now take another look at it next week. That's key. Remember, it's not once ranked, always ranked anymore. It hasn't been for a couple of years now. So now we're talking about making sure that you know, okay, who's now regionally ranked, and that's why the. Not seeing the data and, and not seeing the regional rankings at the very end of the year has an even more profound effect because we don't know who's ranked. So thus, we don't know what their results versus regionally ranked opponents are. We kind of we know their win-loss, and for the most part, we know their SOS now. But that's it. We only know, I mean, we know common opponents, and we know head-to-head, but we don't know results versus regionally ranked opponents. And we don't know other criteria, and we don't know how those criteria are being used because we don't know who's in what order and what place. So, you know, this gives us an idea of what committees may be thinking, but there's no guarantees it's exactly cut and dry how we expect it to be. Of course, in 10 days, the committees will be talking about who's in and who's out of the tournament. In 11 days, we're going to be talking about who's in and who's out. It's tricky. It's really, really tricky. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and, of course, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll try and answer your questions as best we can throughout the show and give you our opinions. That's, I think, the, the most important part is sometimes it's just strictly our opinions. But it's based on as, as much information as we can we can pull together ourselves. Um, and from years of experience as well. So, you know, it, it, you know, for example, you know, talking to some Scranton people this week, Scranton may have put themselves in a world of hurt with a loss to Susquehanna last week. It's the last thing they needed to do was take another loss. 
Scranton is near the bottom of the regional rankings. And in last year's show that I don't think like what one at large team came out of the mid Atlantic, it was Dickinson and the, and the SOS numbers in the mid Atlantic this year are average at best. They're not great. Another bit of information that I've kind of gleaned is it, it, it sounds like from one, what one reports or one source has told me is that anybody with below a 500 SOS probably can just eliminate themselves from the pool C conversation. I don't know if that's true, but that's what one conversation seems to have gleaned. Another conversation has gleaned that anybody below a 667 win-loss percentage can probably eliminate themselves from the conversation. That goes to show you that while SOS is important, you still need to win, and while winning is important, you still need to have a decent decent strength of schedule. It's where those two kind of come hand in hand and don't necessarily equal the same thing for everybody. I think you know the SOS is a good thing for Division Three, considering how challenging we had QOWI and, and prior situations. Is it perfect? No. Could it be tweaked? Maybe. I've had a couple ideas of tweaking it without doing the math, but one might be because I'm starting to see schools who only play road games in out-of-conference action, and maybe they're only playing them because they have no choice. But you almost wonder if they're trying to take advantage of the situation of getting that 1.25 versus 0.75 at home game. So let's change it around. Maybe we don't punish teams for playing at home, but we do reward them for playing road games. So instead of a 0.75 weighted average on the on the home games and a 1.25, and again, this is on the men's side only, for away games, we change the home games to 1.0 just like a neutral game. Maybe? I don't know. i got to see the math. See if that makes any sense. On the flip side, we know about the .03 to two-game reference. Now, that does not mean it automatically equates to a .06 to four-game reference, SOS to games. However, I wonder if there needs to be a bell curve. So if a team, let's say, is .03 apart on SOS, and they're two games apart in win-loss, let's say the weaker SOS has got the better win-loss, then we would call those two teams even at least in the eyes of the NCAA statisticians, you would call those two teams even. If you were to flip the two into different SOSs and win losses, they would they would come up with the same. So if I'm 16 and 4 and you're 18 and 2 and my SOS is .03 better, then our record and SOS are considered even. But what if our SOS is .05 different? How many games does that equate to? I don't know. No one really knows. But maybe there needs to be some type of bell curve to let you understand that. So that those with really gaudy SOS numbers aren't rewarded too heavily. And those with really weak SOS numbers aren't punished too heavily. Because there's some point where you can't control your SOS. We've talked about Albertus Magnus and Penn State Barron and St. Norbert. They're not in good conferences necessarily yes you have to improve your out of conference but they're not in great conferences so is there a bell curve that can help guide that for example Bates is number two in the region and apparently talk is 
that there was discussions in the committees that they should be number by some that they deserve to be number one because their SOS is a 619. That's unbelievably high. They're 18 and five. And then four and four versus regionally ranked opponents. Could Bates being in second in the region right now be getting too much of a benefit because they have a 619 SOS? So on a bell curve type scenario, maybe that 619 comes back down to earth a little bit in reality. I don't know. We'll see if we can figure the math out and see if that makes any sense. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to jump into some women's basketball action. We'll jump out to the West Coast. Talk to Puget Sound, I believe. We'll double-check that. Or Paul. I'll double-check my timing. That's all coming up here on the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Of course, join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, we're going to start off with women's basketball action, and certainly one of the teams that is uh, garnering some national attention, to no surprise, is the Puget Sound Loggers. And 
their women's basketball team certainly playing some pretty darn good basketball uh, as we I almost have gotten accustomed to to seeing from them. And uh, we figured it'd be about time we went out to the Northwest Conference and talked a little bit of uh, loggers basketball. So, again, if you have questions for us or our guests, you can always tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, as I go to the shot, I just realized we got a problem with it. So hold on, Coach. I hear you. I just got to fix something. But well, not that there's a major problem. I just looked at it, and it's 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 edited really weird. <laughs> uh, but we'll fix that here shortly. Uh, Lori Payne joining us on the uh, on the Skype, as it were, as we fix the really weird picture that we apparently did there. Coach, uh, first and foremost, congratulations on what is certainly a, a, another solid season for the Loggers at twenty and three and eleven and three in conference action. Yeah, thank you very much. It's it's been an exciting year for us. Oh, certainly. Uh, that'd be an understatement. As uh, uh, you guys are sitting uh, in a in a battle for second, with yes. a big game coming up, appropriately enough, uh, against the team you're playing in second. You got to get past Whitman first, who's right behind you by game. So appropriately enough, we figured we need to go talk to the to the loggers who are going to have two big games this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I assume there's excitement, but maybe a little bit of uh, apprehensiveness as well. Um, you know, we're very excited. It's it's a huge weekend for us. Um, right now, us, Whitman and Whitworth could all be the second, third, or fourth seed going into playoffs next weekend. So, um, big weekend. Uh, we're very excited that it's at home. Um, you know, we, we traveled over to Whitman and Whitworth and we play them back-to-back just with how our conference works out. And we were able to get Whitman on the road, but um, lost a tough one to Whitworth. So, we're we're very excited about having them back on our home floor during the last weekend, senior weekend. Um, we have a, a pretty experienced team with a lot of seniors, so it, the energy and excitement will be very high. Uh, that might be an understatement. Uh, <laughs> it, obviously, a lot on the line. You not yeah. only have uh, second place, which you want to lock up, because no one's catching George Fox right. with two games left. So you want to lock up second, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, and be best positioned as you can. Um, with You're tied with Whitworth, and, of course, you got a game uh, with Whitman behind you. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, there's a hundred scenarios that could take place here, right. tiebreakers and all that. We won't go into that, but what's the you know I I almost want to say it almost seems more exciting to finish the season with a big game or a set of games like this than to almost run the risk of running into kind of a ho hum type of weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that we finished up on the road our last five games, and so we uh, we needed to be road warriors there, and we were able to take care of business on the road. And then, you know, after our last game, we just talked to the team about. From here on out, even though there's still a weekend left in conference, we're treating it like playoffs, like postseason. Because mm-hmm. at this point, every team that we're going to play is a postseason caliber type of team. And I think it just speaks um, tremendously high of the Northwest Conference in, in that there's four teams that um, have really, really great records. And that fourth right now um, being a team that played in the national championship game last year. So I just think it... Uh, speaks very highly of, of our conference and how, how tough it is. Uh, yeah, it's certainly been tough. Last year is a great example, talking about basically having to play through each other, not only in conference tournament action, but in the NCAA tournament action. Somebody always, whether it be Whitworth or Puget Sound or Lewis and Clark or somebody, has certainly then played well in the tournament and gone deep. That almost makes what you're about to do and what you're what you're trying to do this weekend that much more important because you really do want to have that momentum forward and, and carry yourself as far into March as you can. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. First and second place in our conference hosts, and so we we would love to have the opportunity to host that first round of playoffs, um, the semifinals, and then 
you know, kind of go with, with where that takes us. Um, but, you know, hopefully, uh, speaking postseason stuff, I mean, I, I would hope that, you know, the, the strength of the Northwest Conference um, has been nationally known uh, over the last couple of years. And, you know, we, we would hope that we would get an opportunity to play some other teams outside of the Northwest Conference to <laughs> really show how um, successful we can be as a conference. There's a woman down the hall from you who would give you the answer as to how hard or easy that is. <laughs> Former uh, com committee chair Robin Hamilton, yes. uh, who certainly knows better than anybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how do you then prepare your team? I mean, last year's a great example. You almost can go, hey, remember last year. How do you prepare your team for not only this weekend in the conference tournament, but what is inevitably going to be a tough right. uh, NCAA berth? Oh, you know, to be the best, you have to beat the best, and and I think that at some point you're going to face. Um, I mean, in the North, in the NCAA tournament, you're going to face tough opponents night in and night out, and just so happens that you might have to face um, a tougher one in a George Fox or Whitworth or or Whitman in the the first and second rounds, and that's just how it is. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to win and and move on, and at some point you're going to face them anyways. So just have to prepare them, and I think the familiarity helps with your team because they've played them before and <laughs> you know it's the one time against Fox we got blown out the other time it was a yeah. very close game and so I think we all know we can play with each other of course you have that loss to Whitworth uh 8377 but got the win over Whitman 6446 so almost kind of revenge uh from both sides uh, you'd love to get the game back on Whitworth and Whitman would love to get the game back on you guys of course everyone's chasing george fox before we get out of conference action how tough is george fox this year how tough have they been and are they a team that's beatable you know i, I think every team is beatable um but they're they're playing very very well right now and their their veteran players are um playing composed and poised down the stretch i mean they've they've won a couple of big games with the overtime game to whitworth and you know we took them right down to the line mm -hmm. and so i think that um you know that that's where they get their edge a little bit is is their great players make big plays at the end of the game and I think that their veteran leadership comes out um, and that's something that we're striving towards because we do have a veteran team and I think if we can get in a, if we can get in a position where we're able to play down the stretch um, and and those players are making big plays and and we're playing composed I think that we have an opportunity to win some close games. Let's talk about the season so far. You guys started off with a bang all the way out here in Baltimore. I'm almost I, I can never get to the women's basketball tournament at Hopkins that weekend because I'm always tied up with about 600 other things in crossover season. But you played Lynchburg and beat them, and then beat Johns Hopkins here at uh, in Baltimore. Um, then you returned home the next weekend and got two more wins. Uh, you did a little bit more traveling, uh, mainly in Washington. Uh, traveled down, uh, didn't really get into California. Seemed to get everybody to come up to you, right. uh, but continued the winning ways until you faced off in that first game against George Fox. Uh, so you got off to a really good start to the season, and you've got a plethora of teams in here. We mentioned Lynchburg, Johns Hopkins, St. Benedict, Concordia, Moorhead. Has some Minnesota teams came and visited. Uh, UC Santa Cruz, the Banana Slugs came up and said hello. Uh, Colorado College got out of uh, got out of the uh, Colorado Springs area to visit, uh, and again, as I mentioned, Cal Lou. I mean, you really. It, it seems this year Northwest attracted a lot of different teams this year. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's important. It's it's difficult to get Division three games out on the West Coast um, just with limited options. So this port this year was very important for us to be able to travel, and I thought that it was important for our team with the the high hopes coming in that we would 
have a have a good year and have an opportunity to advance to the NCAA tournament that we traveled and, and got that experience. You know, this is the first year that we've been in the mix um, since I've been the head coach here, and and we planned for that. Um, you know, I, the Johns Hopkins tournament was a first class tournament. I mean, they they ran it incredibly well, and it was fun to to be able to go to a tournament where winners play in the championship game and losers play in the semi or in the um, <laughs> consolation. And we hadn't been in that situation before, except in the Northwest conference playoff games. So it was, it was important for us to start the season off that way and hoping that we would end the season off that way in a win and move on type of scenario. Been the head coach here. Um, and, and excuse me. We uh, for that. Doing a couple um, of things here to fix problems. When do you, when you see, you know, the opportunities like to travel all the way out to Baltimore or to get teams from Minnesota to come to you. How do you balance whether you're going to make that big trip or receive those trips or where you're going to go? Northwest is starting to travel a little bit more than than they have in the past, but where's that line in the sand, as it were? Well, I think, um, you know, we, we wanted to take our team on a trip where we could actually make it a little bit academic as well. And we had a great day visiting Washington, D.C. And <laughs> fortunately for us, you know, it, it worked out where um, Johns Hopkins had a had a tournament opening for us. And so we, we jumped at that chance. Um, but it's it's great to have a counterpart um, in Pacific Lutheran. Mm -hmm. we were, we've been able to team up uh, this year and in the uh, following years to bring teams up and be able to play two Division three teams. Um, and then also being able to return those games. And next year, we're, we're planning to go back down to California. Um, but I think just having a variety of games, but it, the importance of playing those Division three games and the West Region games, um, just on, on the national level when it comes to the end of the season, just to see those common opponents and, and how you matched up with teams outside of the Northwest and um, outside of, you know, just the California conference um, with the Skyac. So, uh, you know, it just... Obviously, winning games is is the best, but if you can get those wins against D three opponents, um, I think that you know that that shows the country where where you're at with your program. You stole the tagline that I use with the Hoopsville Classic. I sell teams. I'm like, hey, if you want to make an educational trip, we're not that far from DC. We're not that far from historic Baltimore, obviously, and come on out to the Hoopsville Classic, and it works. And so, obviously, you took advantage of that. Yeah, we did, and you know, fortunately, teams are we're, we're located in a great area just outside of Seattle that teams are interested. There are, there is sightseeing things to do. And um, other than just coming to, to play the games. And I think yeah. that's a big draw. You have six seniors on this squad. This is a, this is a senior laden squad though. Not all of them are necessarily the leaders in the stack lines. Um, I get this sense. This is the type of team you want to take advantage of and make that run in the NCAA tournament. You're led by Emily uh, Sheldon, who is a junior 14 and a half points a game, five rebounds, as a guard, but then you got Amanda Forche, the senior, 13 plus points a game. Katie Ansley, the senior, 12 and a half points a game. Both of those, by the way, Forche, eight rebounds a game, and Ansley, six and a half rebounds a game. Um, you got a lot of guards who like to crash the boards. Uh, then a sophomore in Alex Noren, and then and then the rest. So while you've got a lot of seniors, and you certainly have some senior leadership, you've got some underclassmen stepping up. But with that many seniors and that much leadership, I suspect this is kind of one of those. Hey, this is the season to take advantage of this. Yeah, absolutely, and that's been our talk since the beginning of the season. You know, we we set a goal out as we wanted a 20-win season. These players came in. This is uh, these seniors are actually the first group of recruits that I brought in. Um, when mm -hmm. I got the head coaching job down here. So it's been so much fun to watch them develop 
I brought them in talking, hey, let's, you know, we can compete for a national championship. We can get there. And uh, they've, they've worked their way up and just grown so much and matured so much to where they, they've arrived. And that's an exciting piece as a coach to see players and teams that set a goal out and then they achieve that. And, and they're at a position where they've arrived to, to reach those goals. You certainly have a lot of underclassmen as well. Don't want to say it's all seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so certainly building towards the future is, is key. But this is obviously one of those unique years you want to take advantage of. You're not D3 by nature. Um, you've, your coaching and, and playing career has all been kind of surrounded in D1 and, and D2 and, and the like and elsewhere. What drew you to Division Three, and, and how have you liked your first five years? I love it. I mean, I, I, I think that University of Puget Sound is, is such a great university, and, and the people here are amazing. And I think that the caliber of student-athlete that we get, um, with it truly is student-athlete. And that is really what drew me um, to the Division Three level. And, you know, I had, I had dreams of being a head coach, and an opportunity arose at an incredible university. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to be given the opportunity to start my, my head coaching career here and take this program, um, continue it. it. It's been a very successful program um, until I got the job. And, you know, we, we went through <laughs> our ups and downs. And, um, but I, I think that we as a program have, have finally started to, to figure out the direction that we want to go and getting the student athletes in here that um, fit kind of my style. And, and I do. I, I've, I brought a lot from the Division One. Um, mindset and you know if, if you watch our team you'll see we get up and down the floor a lot you know I like the transition I was a shooter in college and so <laughs> you know I my assistant coach gets on me a little bit because she's uh, very defensive oriented and you know I kind of have that offense in my heart so um, but you know a, a lot of the th- same systems that we run here are ones that I've ran at, at previous programs um, within my division one background. Nothing wrong with yin and yang on a on a exactly. uh, on a coaching staff. Uh, when I look at um, your your team too, you know, again, Puget Sound's now in the conversation. Um, as you pointed out, a little bit of a rough stretch there, kind of a, a slightly above five hundred squad for a couple of years. While Lewis and Clark and Whitworth and George Fox certainly got the attention. Now you're in the equation. Whitman's in the equation. Is this a sign that this Northwest Conference, while it's been tough at the top, is now even deeper and may be one of those, you know, juggernaut conferences you have to watch out for? I, I absolutely believe that. I mean, just the the top four teams and even the the fifth and sixth team in our conference, um, you know, they had they had good preseasons as well. So we came in and there yeah. was a mix from one to six, and on any given night. You know, even the the teams one through nine on any given night, they have an opportunity with the type of players that they have to be able to knock someone off. And, you know, it's um, I think it's good. It prepares you for postseason, which, um, you know, again, this is this would be the first year that myself and and our team is in the mix with that. Um, So it's exciting because you you need to be prepared for that so that you can go and advance um, further than just okay, we played one game in the tournament and now we're done and we, you know, we finished our season. So I think it's important because we do have high goals um, and aspirations to, to move on into the tournament and not just get there. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking yeah, uh, Puget Sound women's basketball. I know I've already gotten some up in the Northwest who certainly have enjoyed the conversation. Uh, appreciate you chatting about your loggers and, and good luck the rest of the way. Uh, certainly big games coming up this weekend. But as always, we give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? 
Oh, we're we're just very excited for this weekend and heading into the potential of getting into to postseason play. And I think that um, you, you'll be hearing about the Puget Sound Loggers. Hopefully, that's oh. that's the goal. I'm pretty sure we are. Thanks so much, Coach, for joining us, and good luck the rest of the season. Great, thank you very much, Lori Payne, joining us here for on Hoop Show. We appreciate you taking the time. Whitman and Whitworth on the schedule at home coming up here on uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Whitman and is the first one, then Whitworth the second. Battling it out to get in second place, and obviously, as she said, get that first game, uh, or at least semifinals at home. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more women's basketball here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this here, of course, on Hoopsville. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, Trudging along right here on this February the 19th. Playing more ahead still, we got a women's basketball coach from DePaul, Chris Huffman, on hold, as it were, to join us on the show here momentarily. We'll jump down into the South region for our City of Salem School of the Week for the Averett Cougars men's basketball team will join us. And then, of course, coming up, we also will talk to Clarkson and St. Mary's. That's all still ahead. Plus, we will hear from Charlie Titus, head coach at Mass Boston, who is retiring at the end of this season. 
Uh, Mass Boston did a nice little expose on him. We get to hear from him. We'll hear hear that little bit of info, uh, video, as it were, coming up on the show as well. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, of course, uh, la- a couple years ago, the, the talk of the town, as it were, or certainly the toast of the town in women's basketball with the DePaul Tigers as they rolled their set themselves into a national championship, an undefeated season. That concluded 2013, and since then, they've only lost three games. Um, and it, certainly there's a lot of teams out there who would love to have that just in one season. Uh, it's been a while, though, we've, since we talked to Coach Huffman and her squad. We figured we'd better catch up with the coach as quickly as possible. So we're going to the Hoopsville Hotline, and joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is co- uh, coach of the number 8th-ranked DePaul Tigers, Chris Huffman. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Uh, good to be here, Dave. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. 22-1 and one on the season. Uh, probably not too that surprising for many people. Undefeated at 15-0 and 0 in the NCAC. Of course, last time you guys went undefeated in the conference was back-to-back years in 2012-2013 and led to a national championship. I'm not saying there's uh, any um, omens necessarily to the rest of the world out there, but you guys are having a, maybe a pretty qu- uh, good season and quietly under the radar. Well, you know, we're happy with where we are. Uh, with that being said, we still think we can get better here in the short amount of time that we have left. So it, it's been a fun group to coach. We have experience in the in the uh, guard court, uh, which has allowed our forwards to kind of get some experience under their belts here. 22-1, and one, um, you know, last year wasn't that bad a year either at 30-2. and two. Um, Of course, unfortunately, coming to an end uh, against Whitewater um, in um, – I'm doing the math. Is that the semifinals? No. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Sweet. Elite, Elite, Elite Eight. Yeah. Elite Eight. Elite Eight. Yeah, That's fine. Right. I couldn't. I, I, I jumped you a game there for the, for the fun of it. Um, <laughs> we would have liked that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the extra game after that. It made no sense to me. Um, you know, unfortunately, losing to Whitewater. Of course, Whitewater, uh, a team you're certainly darn familiar with, as the year before in the national championships, um, they were the team uh, that was uh, there as well with you, is what I'm trying to get at. I'm, I'm slowly working my way into some sentences. <laughs> Um, and, and Whitewater was the team that you guys had to face off uh, against in the uh, in the championship and beat them, so a little bit of a rematch. What's it been like to have that much success at DePaul and national championships, some tr- incredible seasons? You guys have won 25 games or more almost every season in recent history. Um, is it almost kind of status quo now? If that oh, makes any sense. <laughs> Heavens, no. It's certainly what we want to achieve, uh, but it gets more difficult every year. It, it's uh, harder and harder each time we go out on the floor. Um, but we, we like to have, you know, we like to coach players that have that kind of drive. And I guess that's the blessing right now is we have these players who really are motivated and driven to come to work every day. Um, yeah, I, I suspect in some senses it is work, uh, but it's definitely not classwork, which many would would admit is is easier. This season so far, um, you got that game against Whitewater and at least revenged last year's result, um, and then beat Franklin. Lost um, to Illinois Wesleyan, who's actually kind of struggling just a little bit this season, but got back on the horse, as it were, and have been rolling along ever since. Um, certainly conference play has been one thing, but you've taken on some uh, good, challenging out-of-conference teams like Millsaps. Um, even Stout's been, been having a good season. But obviously a lot of your conference, your, your schedule's conference action. 
Um, and while your target's big, you've been controlling that, it seems, and I don't want to say easily, but at least been been moving along through the, the through the NCAC with relative ease, especially when you got a four-game <laughs> lead in the conference right now. Well, it, it, nothing has seemed easy, that's for sure. We have dodged <laughs> some bullets. We uh, maybe uh, could have had some losses very easily, but we've survived somehow. We've got some strong competition, uh, some really talented teams that are coming on in our conference. I think, you know, Wittenberg is extremely talented, Denison, and I could list every team, I think, if you look at our race, I think there's you know five teams vying for second place or third place. Yeah. It's really been a competitive year, uh, and everyone's game is is stepping up. I know everything changed when DePaul came into the conference in the first place, um, and I know on the women's side, I think a lot of people who thought they were going to succeed saw you guys rolling and it changed everything. But you know, Wittenberg's competing in Otterbein. I mean, Oberlin. I'm sorry, uh, Denison and Ohio Wesleyan. You know, a nine and six or better. Everyone there. Um, Worcester about the only one on there who's really struggling this season, maybe Hiram as well. What What's the makeup of this conference? You you talk about that battle in the middle, but is this a conference that's been improving over the years, or, or do they have uh, some teams that just continue to struggle and, and, and you're hoping for the best? Oh, man, I think it's really a, a competitive conference. We've got great coaches, uh, and they work their butts off. And, and I think a lot of the talent in the conference is young. Um, so we've got some young talent that gaining experience at a place like Denison. Sarah does such a great job there, and she's got a young, extremely talented team. And then you have Sarah over at Wittenberg, who has an experienced, talented team. And it's just they're well coached. Um, everyone plays their butt off, and there's not an easy game. There's no game that I go into thinking, "Well, boy, it's nice <laughs> we can uh, we can relax today." <laughs> <laughs> Phew. Uh, this one's gonna be cake. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> you're outscoring your opponents by 22, um, and you have five seniors on the squad, and they pretty much are the leaders in the in the stat columns. Um, Savannah Trees, a senior, 15 and a half points a game. Uh, Emma Ondick, uh 12.3 points a game, senior. Hannah Douglas, a senior, 11.3. Lauren uh, Abendroth. Uh, 9.3 points a game as a senior as well. And then you hit a sophomore and a couple juniors and a freshman, your other senior, and uh, Hannah Lukemeyer, um 21, 21 uh, games. She's more of your, you know, she's she's not the one who's necessarily leading the stack columns, but she certainly is getting the minutes and, and helping in other ways, I'm sure. So right. it's, this is really senior-driven. Uh, I don't remember if your championship team was as senior-driven. I, I think it might have been if memory serves, how key has that been for you? You know, that experience that we can put on the floor really has been, made a difference for us. Um, makes it a little scary for the future. But this year, <laughs> um, you know, our guard court, we have such great depth, um, really. And they've had so much, you know, big game experience. Yeah. So it's really been a blessing. We didn't have that same experience in the forward court. And so we weren't piecing it together by any means, but we were playing – uh, and, and each game they're getting better now. Uh, so it, it's less defined in the forward court because we have different players we can do different things with, but that guard court is pretty clearly defined, and, and I love the experience that we can put on the floor. Is there anything you can take from that championship year that you can use moving forward? Is there anything you take from last year's experience that you have moving forward? Obviously, the senior class has a championship ring, um, but or, or is all those experiences experiences, but they're not necessarily something you can translate into this season? 
know, I think you can always tap into a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think we say dream and dream big, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and why not us? But we've got some work to do for that, for that to be us, uh, you know, still, still playing into March. Or you look at, you know, dropping a game, you know, the last conference, last regular season game last year to Ohio Wesleyan, a very good Ohio Wesleyan team. Yeah. So we use those types of experiences to keep us motivated and focused on every day that we prepare to play somebody. So that's probably the biggest thing we do is to try to stay very, very consistent with all our preparation. Talking to Chris Huffman, number eighth ranked DePaul, twenty-two and one on the season, fifteen and zero in conference action. Of course, the NCAC being that conference coach, you've been there for twenty-two years. You've now won over five hundred games uh, in your career. You certainly have. Um, one of the best, you know, records in the NCAA, at least in recent history, if not uh, for a very good long period of time. Um, but you, you're in this region now that has got a lot of good teams. And since you started, I'm pretty sure you probably agree that women's basketball has grown um, and gotten deeper by quite a bit. But what's the biggest change you've seen from your point of view? Oh, boy, you are so correct. Division three basketball, <laughs> the play has increased uh, uh, dramatically. Um, I think it's a trickle-down effect from all the D1s. It's all the kids that are playing year-round in training. And so, you know, I think it's more and more competitive at every level right now. And you look at our region, you're so right. Our region is stacked always. <laughs> uh, there's, If you can get out of the region, you're in good shape. But um We've got the Thomas Moores and the Hope Collinses and the Calvins, and um, not uh, not a light, not a group to be taken lightly at all. Boy, they all can play. Well, I was going to say you'd mentioned about the D ones trickling down. Sydney Moss transferred in, uh, and has changed the equation completely in the Great Lakes. But as you point out, you got Thomas Moore, you got Hope, you've got Calvin now. John Carroll has certainly become a much better team. You've got yourselves, uh, and certainly others in that Great Lakes. How how do you size up the region, and furthermore, how do you figure out um, how you think you can play? I mean, do you are you going to have to to play through this region? Do you think this year, or do you think you can find a way to to play through the other side of the region? <laughs> you know, you never know where you're going to be sent. That's for sure. Yeah. I think it was a few years back, and, and we were sent to uh, Hope College, and I think they kind of called it the, the pot of death. Yeah, our bracket <laughs> of death, which we never see on the women's side. <laughs> you remember it was an undefeated Denison team. Yep. They hadn't lost a game. It was Wash U. You, everyone knows Wash U. It was Hope, and, and it was us. <laughs> and, uh, we were the first ones out, <laughs> and, and we had a decent team. So you, you never know when you're going to go. And I think at that time all three there were three teams in the top ten. Uh, so it's, you know, it's geographic and it's where the NCAA is going to put you. And, and so you might have, uh, the toughest game of the year in round one. And so it, it matters what you do during the regular season. It's, it sure does, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. When you look at, I, I'm trying to call up the regional rankings quickly, which I had a minute ago and then, you know, promptly put away, um, <laughs> for whatever reason, when I look at the regional rankings in the great lakes, I don't think anything surprises me, but it's you, Thomas Moore top, Calvin second, you guys are third, John Carroll behind you, then Hope. Now Transylvania, who enters the region this year and certainly is having a tremendous year, then St. Vincent, Baldwin-Wallace, and Ohio Northern. At least it's spread out that you might have to go through somewhere else, but where you're located, Hope is in your range, um, and then the central region in the YX, the CCIW, Wash U, Chicago, who's improved. 
is in your range. You don't get it easy at all, do you? <laughs> no, I, you know, I think we'd volunteer to go anywhere uh, <laughs> <laughs> to get out of this area. Now, it is such strong basketball. You look at, you know, the national champions several years have come out of this, this area of the country. Um, great coaches, great teams. So it's, uh, it's a handful uh, to deal with, but we're happy to be talked about in that group and, and hopefully have a chance to, to play somebody here down the stretch. Happy you're talked about in that group? You won a championship two years ago have lost three games since. Oh, I know, but, you know, every year is a new year, and this year going in, I never would have dreamed. I thought we could be good with our guard court, but I didn't dream that we would be, you know, sitting here at 22-1. and one. I thought we'd have uh, a little more difficult time, so I'm proud of how our team has stepped up. And I still look at it as this, I mean, we have a lot of weaknesses and we sure have a chance we still could get better. So we're still trying to coach the pants off of these guys here. Uh, they're, and they're loving it, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> big game coming up against Ohio Wesleyan to round off the season coming on Saturday. Of course, Ohio Wesleyan is fighting to be best positioned in the uh, postseason as they possibly can. Uh, and you talk about last year's finish. Uh, of course, um, against Ohio Wesleyan, and they it's unceremoniously gave you guys um, a thank you note, as it were, with a loss. Um, how do and of course that was your first loss of the season. I, I suspect that that is fresh in your mind, and you don't need to remind this this team necessarily that um, winning on Saturday is just as important. Oh, you know, absolutely. We want to finish the season strong here, and. You know, we'll be celebrating Senior Day, and that's quite a, a powerful group that we have that we'll be saying goodbye to. Uh, you know, who knows if we'll get a, to ever play at home again. So, and, and we want to make sure we're on an upward trend with our play. So we're, we're focused and we're preparing for Ohio Wesleyan. They're extremely talented. Um, when I look at them, they're hard for us to defend. You know, they've got a lot of pieces to the puzzle that we'll need to be at the top of our game. Which is better? The loss to an Illinois Wesleyan squad earlier in the season, which at least I won't even preface, I won't add any more to that, or a loss like you took to Ohio Wesleyan last year um, that many would fear could have derailed you but also re sparked you. Hmm. So, what's better or what's worse? You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's, it's how you respond. So, I don't know if one timing is better or worse than the other. Um, the response that you have is really the key. And so you got to move on pretty quickly. And I think we were able to do that in both scenarios. And uh, hopefully we'll hold things together here as we finish out. But Well, Coach, it's certainly enjoyable to watch the Tigers. I had the honor of seeing you guys win your national championship. And I say that because it's so hard um, when you have two Final Fours at the same time to get to both of them. And we took advantage of Amherst or the uh, Atlanta experience for Division Three on the men's side to uh, oh, yeah. see you guys win that championship in Holland. Um, but based on that, how excited are you that it looks like we're definitely moving forward to a, a combined championship in 2016 in Indianapolis for the women? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I don't know what that does to the timing of the season. I, I yeah, I know. they got to work I, that out, don't they? Yeah, so I, um, I don't mind us standing alone. Um, you know, it's in our minds and how we prepare every day, you know, it's, the big time is where we are. Um, so I'm okay with the way we're doing it now. And it'll be interesting to kind of learn the whole structure of that new format that will, that will take place. Yeah, definitely different than the men's. The men's had an extra week thrown in on top of what was already going to be a long, drawn-out thing anyway. So 
Um, I know they're going to play the semifinals and then play the finals, but uh, who knows how they do the rest. But um, we'll figure it out, as they say. Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, joining us and talking about your Tigers. As always, we give you the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just want to thank you for the work that you do. You know, we think uh, Division Three basketball and Division Three athletics are a pretty important piece of uh, young people's lives. And the amount of time and effort you put into covering it, certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to seeing how you do in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, well, at least try and avoid the, the big boys as long as you can. <laughs> That's right. I hope so. Oh, great. <laughs> hey, Take care, so much, Coach. Dave. Absolutely. You too. All right, bye-bye. Chris Huffman joining us here on Hoopsville. Again, number eight ranked team, 22-1 and one on the all, on the year, 15-0 and 0 in conference play. We'll take on Ohio Wesleyan uh, kind of in a grudge match from last year, as we pointed out. They lost that game last year on the final game of the regular season to end their undefeated run. Um, of course, that was a heck of a run, if, if you remember. Uh, they basically went 50-some-odd um, games undefeated, just like FDU Florham went 53 games this season really 60 games now that you think about it um 34 and 0 last year uh and then rolled along uh and took that loss to Ohio Wesley and they garnered let's see three six more wins after that so they went 54 uh I believe uh before taking that loss so uh certainly impressive by DePaul and we'll see how things translate uh for them the rest of the way if you got any questions for us tweet us at d3hoops or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoops. So we did get a question. Um, yeah, we'll get back to that in just a minute, actually. Um, we got more ahead. We're going to switch into men's basketball action at this point in the uh, season uh, or in the show. Uh, coming up, we're going to have our City of Salem School of the Week. Um, we'll also have... Um, a moment to talk to St. Mary's men's basketball. We also will talk to Clarkson men's basketball. We'll also hear from Charlie Titus from Mass Boston as he prepares for his last regular season game of his basketball career as head coach. You're going to listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball. More Hoopsville uh, coming up right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. 
By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show here on February the 19th. If you've got any questions for us, uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We, we keep being remiss not to mention a few things here, and so we should get it done as we hit the second hour of this show. First and foremost, we always change our setup just a little bit with some of the shirts. You'll notice a Puget Sound shirt, and we had them on the show earlier. I want to thank Robin Hamilton a couple years ago, making sure we got that shirt. Got a University of Chicago shirt here. There is another shirt over here in the corner you really can't see. We're going to have to do a better job of displaying that. And I am wearing a Middlebury basketball shirt here this evening. Of course, we always have the Ohio Wesleyan uh, Bishops number 22 signed by Lauren Hill shirt over our shoulder. We always have the Wheaton Women's Basketball basket that they sent us. Uh, of course, last show we had St. Norbert's T-shirt, which they sent us. If you'd like to send us something, please feel free. Email us or tweet us, and we'll get you information on how you can send us something that we will display in our set at, at some point in time or even wear it ourselves. Speaking of wearing it, if you want us to wear your T-shirt and maybe have a guest of your choice on the show, support the Hoopsville fundraising project. We're only a little over about, about 60% of our way to a very smaller goal than last year. Uh, that 60% is about a quarter of the way to last year's fundraising uh, mark. So we're a little low, uh, and we would appreciate any of your help. We're kind of like PBS. If you uh, sign up for a certain perk, you will get a perk, uh, like a T-shirt, for example, or get a guest on the show. So please uh, don't hesitate to, to support us. We will try and send out some tweets here in the rest of this hour, hour and a half that we're on the air. Um, the the fundraiser has about 10 days left in it, so any help you can provide, we would certainly appreciate it. I should also point out, if you can't, uh, please send it on to others you may think can support us. Uh, all the money goes to helping us do this show um, and improve our set, improve our cameras, improve our computers, and allow us to go on the road as well. We told the Skyac coach, um, Laverne's head coach, Rich Reed, that if we were to raise $7,500, we would carve out some of that money to take a trip to the southwest. Uh, to, to California, Southern Cal, and, and go see the Skyac in person and maybe even do a show out there. So that's what we would spend the money on, and we certainly appreciate any support you can give. Um, we've had some wonderful support so far. We would love to have some more. Um, let's get on to our City of Salem School of the Week. And this week we're selecting what team out of the South region. Um and that team is a team that was 12 and 14 last season, a 16 and 8 right now with one game left, a big game in conference action. That's the Averett Cougars and the men's basketball coach David Duino joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Co coach, uh, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on what is absolutely a terrific season so far. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, really, 
was crazy with the timing of the whole situation, but uh, guys have really bought into the way we're doing things and uh, really excited to uh, hopefully finish strong down the stretch. Um, you've had a couple of, of spots in the season that you could have derailed easily. Uh, lost to Lynchburg, got back on the horse against Emory Henry to start the season. Guilford tripped you up. Then you got back against Johnson & Wales, non-Division three Johnson & Wales, the North Carolina version. Got a couple games under your belt. Then the ODAC came back to bite you, and Bridgewater and Randolph-Macon, and then Maryville got you. Then you guys went back on a winning streak before Greensboro tripped you. Then you went back on another winning streak, and then William Peace and Methodist tripped you. And now you're back on a two-game winning streak with a big game against William Peace coming up to try and lock up this conference uh, you know, perfectly, I should say, you know, to lock it up good, as it were. How are you feeling going into this final game? Um, well, you know, our guys have really showed some toughness throughout the season. Uh, you know, we talk about when adversity hits, really, uh, you know, what kind of character and the, what your team is made of really comes through in those moments. And uh, we've been able to answer the call a couple of times when we've hit kind of a losing streak or someone's been able to trip us up. And, uh, you know, we're uh, really anxious to get on the floor tomorrow, but we also understand that we're facing a very good team that's very well coached, and uh, we're going to need to be at our best tomorrow uh, to try to win that game. I think that's the other thing that jumps out at me too though is is the top of this conference you know William Peace is making a play they're only 13 and 10 um, but they played a lot of, of non-division three games but they're nine and three in conference so you know while they they haven't had a great out of conference they're right in play here uh, and they're certainly a young squad in division three I think this is only their third season in the USA yep. South um, and then Piedmont's lurking uh, Greensboro's back there in Maryville. Certainly, there's a there's a hodgepodge of teams at seven and six and Methodist, etc. Um, but it, it's kind of two teams that weren't in the conversation recently that are leading the way. Yeah, you know, uh, the staff at William and Peace, Coach Shields and his staff has done an, ama done an amazing job, uh, you know, recruiting and getting their guys uh, to play their system. They're extremely well coached. They play really hard. Um, they really have uh, some matchup problems at the post because their post could really step out and shoot the ball. Um, so they, they've done an excellent job, uh, you know, once they've gotten into conference play uh, and playing really consistent night in and night out. Uh, and the rest of the conference, you know, everyone is so well coached and a lot of talent. Uh, you know, one, even the, the bottom teams that are, uh, are not going to be making the, uh, the, the conference tournament uh, have given teams a lot of problems. Uh, so it's every night you got to be ready to play, and you got to understand that if you don't bring your best, that you're capable of getting knocked off by anybody in this conference. Uh, talking to uh, David Duino, head coach for Averett men's basketball team, as we mentioned, is uh, 16 and eight overall, 10 and three in conference action. Um, you know, coach, this is this is a team that, um, by all intensive purposes, maybe wasn't the pick of the litter, as it were, to win the conference. Um, but you guys have taken full advantage of that. What's been the secret this season? You talked about buying in just a little bit. You talked about this team kind of doing what you guys needed to do. What what's, what was the turning point, maybe? 
Um, well, you know, I think it starts back from last year. You know, we had a group of uh, sophomores that are now juniors um, and, and a couple of guys that were juniors that are now seniors that will be celebrating senior night tomorrow night um, that had some success in the conference and then they were knocked out as a two seed uh, by a good Ferrum team last year and didn't, uh, didn't make it past the first round of the conference tournament. So I think there was some hunger there to, to begin with. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I think me coming in as a first-year head coach, uh, you know, coming in with a lot of, with a chip on my shoulder as well, <laughs> trying to prove myself and and uh, try to get them to, you know, play to the best of their abilities and as hard as they can every night. I think that buy-in to what I was trying to sell, along with the hunger that myself and that the team had, uh, really connected well. And um, you know, we we've been hungry night in and night out. There's been one or two games where I don't think we've played. Uh, to our capabilities from an energy standpoint, but for the most part all season, we've been a pretty focused group and a group that has tried to uh, make sure that we played with the energy level and focus level that we need to to compete with the teams that were on our schedule. Yeah, I mean, the significance, obviously, being a first-year head coach, you served, uh, what, about six seasons or some odd, seven seasons uh, at North Carolina Wesleyan. Um, We'll talk about more of the history in a minute, but you, know, you do come in in August, so you're kind of not late to the party, but certainly team hasn't gotten to know you before they enter the campus for the very first time. What was it like to 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 meet them for the first time, and and how did you, how did it how did it go at the beginning? Did were they buying? You say they bought in, but how quick did they buy in? Um, you know, it, it was interesting. I actually got hired on the first day of school here. Uh, classes started on that <laughs> Wednesday when I accepted the job. Uh, and I got down here as fast as I could. That Saturday morning I was down here after classes started, and we had our first team meeting on that Sunday. Um, and, you, you know, it was me just kind of – Telling them a bit about myself, where you know me being familiar with the league, I've been in uh, the USA South now seven years. Uh, now this is my eighth. You know, I was seven years with NC Wesleyan, so I was familiar with the program, familiar with all the guys on the team from watching them throughout the years uh, and scouting them uh, as a coach at NC Wesleyan. So I think the fact uh, that I've had success as a coach in this league at NC Wesleyan, and the fact that I knew the guys that were on the team. Um, you know, my message was, you know, we wanted to be the hardest playing team. I thought defense and rebounding was an area where we could be really good. You know, they led the conference in rebounding last year, uh, and we wanted that to be an emphasis for, emphasis for us this year as well. But uh, I think just the energy that I tried to bring into that first meeting and trying to really make them feel like they were. Coach, did we lose you? Are you? Are you? Nope, there you are. You? are you there? Nope, there you're back. You're oh. back. Oh, well, I don't know where you lost. Yeah, it's something me at, about but, uh, energy. <laughs> I thought the. <laughs> I thought the energy that I tried to bring into that first meeting, and that's kind of, I'm a high-energy type of guy, uh, the, the energy and the fact that I wanted to make them feel like they were my guys and that uh, I knew that we had something special here and that I believed in them, uh, I think they bought in right from the, right from the start. And, uh, you know, they, they were on board. They were excited. They were happy for, I think, a renewed energy in the program. And uh, I, I feel like right from the start we had a connection and, and it's been growing ever since. Talking to David Duino, head coach from Averett, 16-8, and 10-3 and three overall. Let's talk about your guys. Uh, led by Trevor West, 12.5 points a game. 
uh, three and a half rebounds a game. Of course, West, uh, one of those juniors you talked about, Bradley Robinson, 11 and a half points a game, hauling in a little over five rebounds a game, also a junior. Charles Bryant, uh, one of your sophomores, 11 and a half points a game, eight rebounds a game. Uh, Aaron uh, Westhussing, I hope I'm right. Uh, no, not Aaron. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun there. Cody, I, I was looking at the wrong list. Cody Stevens is who I'm trying to mention at 10.6 yeah. points a game. Stevens is one of those seniors and 10.5 points for Carter Jones. And, and Jones is another junior that you have. Of course, uh, one of your big guys inside at 7.3 points a game. want to make sure I mention uh, the um, those guys because they're the ones who get the stats, at least in the double figures. You've got five of them, but you still got other guys who are contributing. How how key has it been to to what is a wide range of of class participation, as it were, sophomores, yeah. juniors, seniors? Uh, well, it was huge. You know, obviously when you got juniors uh, in your program that have been in the league for three years and have experience, you want them to be your leaders and kind of show those younger guys the ropes and kind of set the tone for the way things need to be done. Uh, and and those group, that group of juniors and our senior, senior Cody Stevens, has really done a great job being leaders day in and day out for our program. Uh, and, and we like to think that, you know, the fact that we have five five guys, even, you know, six, I would say six or seven with, James Contreras and uh, Devontae Pinnell are guys that could come in and put the ball in the, in the hole a little bit. Uh, we like to think that we're well balanced and that we could really play a team game and move the ball and, and use uh, different guys' talents to, the, to our advantage. Uh, you know, we're not a team that's going to go out there, I think, and put up 90-plus points a game or anything like that. You know, we're, you know, we're usually between 70 and 80 points somewhere, but uh, you know, they, they bought into playing team basketball and really excellent executing the things that we're trying to do, and we think that uh, we have some versatile guys that could do different things out there, and we're just trying to put them in positions where they could be successful. Well, they certainly have been successful. I'm a little surprised you're at a school that doesn't have Wesleyan in the title. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty sure you were kind of locked, stocked, and barreled as a former uh, Virginia Wesleyan Marlin uh, who scored 1,000 points in his four years at under Dave Macedo and then becoming an assistant coach under Macedo and then going to North Carolina Wesleyan. I figured you could go anywhere to Connecticut, Ohio, Illinois, West Virginia. Uh, there were a lot of Wesleyans you could go to. Are you allowed to be at a neighbor? Yeah, that was the problem. When I actually applied for the job, they told me that you know they were they were questioning whether they should even give me an interview. Or not. But uh, now, I've been fortunate to be a part of two really good programs with uh, Virginia Wesleyan and NC Wesleyan, and uh, you know I, I like to think that uh, I paid my dues as an assistant for ten years at this level, and uh, hopefully Aver feels as as good about me as as I do about the situation here and the people that are here. How soon until we see? Virginia Wesleyan on the on the schedule. We are actually going to their tip-off tournament yeah, next year. I had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> I had a feeling the yeah. coach the call to coach to Macedo was very quick. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, uh, me and Coach Macedo have a great relationship. I think the world of him, and obviously that program is, if not the best in one of the, if not the best in the nation, one of the best in the nation. And he's done an amazing job. Uh, you know, since I was actually his first recruit, he got the job. Uh, <laughs> As a head, as the head coach, my the year I was coming in as a freshman, um, so we've been really uh, tight for a long time, and uh, he knows I think the world of him. But you know, anytime you could get those type of ODAC teams on the schedule, we feel like that prepares us for our conference later in the year. Of course, you're right in the heart of the ODAC as well. There, 
uh, at yeah. Averett. It's not that hard to get to some ODAC teams uh, at all from Danville, Virginia. <laughs> Uh, Not at all. No, no. Pretty darn easy, if I do say so myself. Um, of course, uh, it's been downhill for Macedo since you left. I mean, you win a national championship with you as an assistant, and we haven't seen hide or hair of Virginia Wesleyan since. Uh, yeah, you're right. At least in the Final Four, obviously. Uh, hey, Coach, if you don't mind, City of Salem uh, School of the Week, we have a little fun and play some trivia. Um, okay. We have thrown, and I do mean thrown, some questions together, um, thanks to your SID and myself. Um, regarding oh the team, I know you're new, so we'll try and take it easy, but some of these might be some doozies. They can range from anywhere from uh, conference, uh, not conference, I'm sorry, uh, program history, athletics department history, or school history. Um, we welcome you to try oh uh, anything you can at this. Um, we certainly appreciate uh, if you can't, but we're just having some fun, so don't worry about it. And I'm not promising you any of these are terrific. They're just what I came up with uh, as we kind of looked at things. So first right, and well, foremost, as, as long as you don't get me in trouble with my AD, I'm, I'm good no, to go. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think we will. But who knows? I, I could be wrong. Um, let's start off. Uh, let's see if you know a little history of the school. The school was chartered in 1859. What was Averett was not its original name. What was its first name? Ooh. I might have to pass on that one. Well, you can at least try and take a stab at it, I figured. Mm. I, I'm at a loss, man. I, I don't want to okay. come up with anything. Um, I'm not holding it to you just yet. I, Danville Community. That's um, not a bad. That's not a bad guess. Uh, it was actually uh, Union um, Female College. One of the first female colleges, all female colleges, especially in that neck of the woods. Uh, of course, the school has changed to Averett. Why is Averett such an important name in the history of Averett College? Oh, boy, man. You're going to get me in trouble around here. That's okay. You're your first year. You're entitled. <laughs> um, ooh. I'm not sure, man. I, I, okay. I, I don't have anything for you on that one. Oh, it's it's. I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Uh, basically, Joseph James Averett uh, was the first um, kind of man who ran the school. Is basically uh, with paraphrasing there a little bit. Uh, we'll try and slide into some a little more fun stuff for you. Uh, we'll talk about the program. How's that sound? Men's basketball has um, won. Uh, let's see. Let's see how I want to word this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Has won five conference championships and made four NCAA tournament appearances. How far is the furthest Averett has gotten in the NCAA tournament? Ooh, I want to say Sweet 16. You are correct. Sweet 16 in 1990. Well yep. done. Um, I'll go 33%. Yeah, okay. not bad, not bad. <laughs> um, how many men's basketball players have been USA South Conference Players of the Year? Ooh, Two? Close. Three. Ah. Three. I, okay. Um, you, got, you got the... What? And well, who, they, the who are there? they? Yeah, I do. Uh, Rumley. Rumley, yep. Jonathan Rumley. Uh, Demarcus Morrison, maybe? Yep, Demarcus Morrison, yep. And then there's one more. 
That's the one I'm missing. Tony C. S E A Y. Okay. Tony C. Um, I, I'm going to throw a bonus one in here later, but the first question I have before we get to your bonus one is there are three current Averett head coaches who are all Americans as student athletes. Can you name them? Uh, current coaches. Bren, our softball coach. Yeah, nicely done. Bryn, yeah, Bryn Taylor. She was, yeah, right, softball head coach, but she was an All-American in volleyball. Volley, volleyball, that's right. Um, I'm trying to... Was Philip Wilson one? Nope. Hmm. Any... Mm, I'm at a loss on the other two, my man. It's all right. One of them you're going to hate yourself for. Probably. One of them is Ed Fulton, who's the baseball coach. He was a Florida State All-American. The one you're going to hate yourself with, at least in my opinion, on the women's basketball team, Liz Hickey. Okay. She was yeah, a... She's going she's gonna to give it to me tomorrow on that yeah, one. Yeah, she is. Sure. She was an All-American <laughs> at Mary Wash. I saw her play. She was darn good. Yeah, darn good. She was actually she was actually out there today in practice getting a little. Bit oh, was she? Well, so. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, she was. I can imagine. <laughs> she was. Uh, she yeah. was blocking shots left and right a little bit today. So. Oh, I, oh, she she hasn't lost that touch. I can clearly tell. <laughs> uh, she played at Mary Washington. I got to see her play about you know uh, after seeing you get play at at Virginia Wesleyan. Coach, I'll throw in one bonus one just for the fun of it. Uh, how many national championships adorn the the halls of Averett, and who's the t- and who are the teams? There's one, and it's men's golf. I tried to throw you off with the teams. You're <laughs> <laughs> right. It is one, and it is golf. Hey, coach, thanks yeah. so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Fun to chat with you about uh, about Averett, and, and certainly big game tomorrow to lock up first place. And good, we wish you luck. We also wish you luck in the conference tournament. Hopefully, man, even see you dancing a little bit in the uh, NCAA tournament. Maybe you'll see Virginia Wesley a little earlier than your schedule right now. Uh, well, we're just going to take it one game at a time and uh, <laughs> and, and hope that, uh, you know, hopefully that's in the cards, but we got a long way to go before that, and uh, hopefully tomorrow night we're ready to go. Man, Macedo ha- has trained you well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yep, he's uh, – <laughs> You know, he's a mentor of mine, and, uh, you know, it's always about that next one, you know, and down the road we'll control that when we get there. Well, congratulations again, Coach. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks so much, and I uh, really appreciate it. had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Take care. Take it easy. David Duino, Jonas from Averett, head coach. Again, team is 16-8 overall, 10-3 and in conference action. Big game tomorrow at home against William Peace. For the top of the conference. If you don't think that's an important game, you're nuts. Uh, you want the USA South teams to come through your neck of the woods. Of course, um, I shouldn't say come. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Green, William P. still has another game against Greensboro on Sunday, um, but they need to win to guarantee to, to lock. You know, to make sure it's first place, and so does Averett. So, big, 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 big game coming up there. Uh, tomorrow for those two teams. We're going to take another break. When we come back, Clarkson men's basketball in the East region will join us and talk to us, talk about another first-year head coach. Also, we'll talk to another coach who's averaged 20 wins a season in his career 
at St. Mary's, Chris Harney will join us. And then we'll hear later in the show a little bit from Charlie Titus, head coach at Mass Boston. You're listening to Hoops Hole, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Plenty more Hoopsville ahead. Clarkson and St. Mary's and Mass Boston all ahead. Plus, your questions, we answer them here on the show. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA National Champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia. Hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on Thursday the 19th. Of course, this is Regional Ranking Day, uh, which is new. We've been talking about that at the beginning of the show. Um, not normally on your Thursdays, but thanks to server upgrades, they are on Thursday this week. Came out this morning, um, right about 10 a.m. And uh, we'll be back to our normally scheduled programming on Wednesday. Um, Wednesday afternoon, some point, those rankings will come out. Uh, next week, of course, next week will be the third and final ones that we get to see. The fourth ones, we will not get that opportunity. But you already know this because we've been talking about it on the show. We'll talk about it plenty more down the road. If you have any questions for me or our guest, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I'm going to jump up now into the East region um, and talk to some of the teams we haven't had a chance to talk to. Um, and, of course, one of those teams uh, this year would be the Clarkson men's basketball team uh, out of the Liberty League in a pretty good fight, we should say, uh, for that Liberty League um, uh, conference. Um, certainly something that the conference probably likes to see, but it's Skidmore on top by a half game with Clarkson and Hobart sitting right behind them. So we figured we should talk to the Golden Knights. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Jeff Gorski. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations on the season at hand. Uh, regionally ranked number six, uh, sitting right there pretty much uh, essentially in a first way, for, <clears throat> first place tie uh, in the win column, half a game back uh, of Skidmore in what is certainly shaped up to be a really interesting race at the top of the conference. Yeah, it's been a uh, a great year for us and a great year for the conference. We've had some great wins out of conference with some of the teams, and 
it's been uh, super competitive, you know, with uh, right at the top, Skidmore, Clarkson, and, and Hobart, and then right after that, RIT and St. Lawrence are just battling for that fourth spot in our conference tournament. So, you know, we're really happy with how we've played and where we're at and gave ourselves a chance to get to the last day with a chance to win the conference. Yeah, you got, I mean, we should remind everybody, I mean, this is a team that was 16-10 and 10 last year. Um, the year before that, 17 wins, 16 wins the year before that. So already kind of playing with house money um, as you've had the most wins in, in recent memory at 19-5. and five. And again, 12-3 and three in conference play, um, which batters last year's total, which was the best you'd had again in recent memory. So... Uh, you've only, you know, you, you've scattered some losses throughout that, but you gotta, you gotta be thrilled with how your teams responded this year and, and what position you guys have put yourselves in. Yeah, no question. Last night we were fortunate to to uh, beat our our crosstown rival St. Lawrence, and it gave us, uh, you know, the the highest win total we've ever had at the uh, at the university, and you know, and it's just a testament to the guys that we've had and how hard they work. Um, you know, I was fortunate to walk into a situation that was, you know set up pretty nicely with kids that are just terrific kids that are completely selfless um, and they don't care who scores or who rebounds as long as we do it together and they compete and work hard every day um, and it, it's kind of and it's you know paid off and we can see it you know in our win total and you know and have a chance to you know win the conference which the first day I got here every guy in the team came into my office and said coach I want to win the conference and I said well let's go and try <laughs> Yeah, we should point out, uh, you are in your first year as head coach for Clarkson after um, Mark Gilbride uh, moved down the road, as it were, to RPI. Um, you become the 13th uh, coach in program history. Um, this opportunity, is it one of those that kind of falls in your lap and you got to jump for it? How does, that all, how does that all transition for you? Well, I was in a pretty good situation um, when I was at Case Western Reserve the last five years. But my family being from upstate New York, my wife from upstate New York, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there's always a drawback. But being in a good situation, I wasn't going to, you know, just go any place. I wanted to go to a school that I felt comfortable with academically, someplace that I could, you know, sell to kids that, you know, if they tear their knee or break their ankle, they're still going to get a great education and walk out of here and be super successful. So I was very picky and what I, you know, I went for and the timing kind of worked out for me and, um, you know, and I'm just, you know, I'm thrilled with the situation that I've been in and, you know, just I've been fortunate to work with just terrific kids. Uh, I should point out Case Western Reserve having a really good season the year after you left. I'm not just saying there's any correlation, but I'm certainly <laughs> hoping uh, hoping uh, for for uh, your sake that uh, it translates. But it has. I mean, you guys, again, I mean, we're, we're playing with house money. Uh, if, you, if you really think about it from the Golden Knights' perspective, this is the best season they've had in a while. You said there were... Certainly good students uh, left behind, uh, as it were, to take over the program. Um, or not take over, but kind of continue it. You've got, what, three, four seniors on this squad, four uh, seniors on the squad. Really only a handful of juniors. Um, it, and then it then it kind of steeply drops off. I have a feeling the recruiting um, battles are where you're going to have to try and, and change things in the next few years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have four seniors. Three of them are playing 30 minutes a game right now. You know, one... John Coleman set our school record in scoring uh, three games ago. Um, so it, it, those guys are just the heart and soul of our team. They're the guys that are every day. They're just great leaders that work hard and they dem do a lot by demonstration and you know and how they how they go about their business. 
and then it's the guys that are the sophomores that you know when they make shots and you know they play well is when we do really well we're very tough to beat when our sophomores play well but our seniors they bring it every day and our juniors are as good of a group as we could ask so you know we have a nice collection but i mean it's when it always comes down to recruiting and you know how you can keep it going and because that's you know we're having a special year and you know you don't want to make it a special year. You want to make it, you know, a special program. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to win those recruiting battles. Talking to Jeff Gorski here from Clarkson. Team is nineteen and five overall, twelve and three in Liberty League Conference. You only are putting up about sixty a game, so there aren't a lot of players to talk about in double figures. You talked about Coleman, seventeen and a half points a game and six rebounds a game, shooting fifty five percent from the floor. And watch out, he's a decent outside shooter as well. Um, Felix Abongo. Uh, your junior at 13.2 points a game and the team's leading rebounder at seven rebounds a game. Then you get back into the senior group in uh, Dylan, uh, is it Hodowns? Hodowns, yep. Hodowns. Uh, Hodowns, I'm sorry, nine points a game. And then Charles McAllister at 7.6 points a game. Again, another senior. So obviously, as you say, being led by the upperclassmen, you do have the junior in Abongo who's, who's making a difference there as well. But um, it, it almost feels like it's kind of strange. You're in your first year. You've got a bunch of seniors on this squad. You don't have a lot of youth on this squad. Um, it's, can you take advantage of that being that it is your first year? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a better situation to have leadership, kids that are great kids that totally bought in to what I was trying to sell right when I got here. We don't score a ton of points, but we're very efficient. You know, we score over you know 1.7 points per or 1.07 points per possession. So we just don't play a high possession game. Um, we're efficient. We shoot it well. Uh, we don't turn it over, and that's all. You know, the culture that was built here and the things that I'm trying to preach as well. Um, you know, we assist on almost 70 percent of our baskets. So it, it, again, we don't score a ton, but we defend very well and we play selflessly. Again, you're sitting, you know, essentially in a tie for this conference. Um, you've got three games, or I'm sorry, a game left to go. And, of course, it's against Skidmore. Well, it seems appropriate. We yep. do have that theme going this show where you've got the big game coming up, as it were. And, obviously, a win over Skidmore would be huge um, and would kind of solidify uh, possibly a, a first place. We don't want to assume anything. They've got two games left. they still got to play St. Lawrence here on Friday before taking you guys on on a rare Sunday game. Um, well, of course, you know, you're also in the race there with, with Hobart, and I'd be, I'd be kidding myself if I tried to figure out all the tiebreakers in this scenario. <laughs> of course, Hobart also under a new coach and kind of surging here late in the season. Makes for an interesting finish to the year. How do you think this finishes out? What do you think your chances are to be able to bring the, uh, the tournament through Alumni Gymnasium? Well, I mean – we don't control our destiny in bringing it, bringing the conference tournament here, mm-hmm. um, because of Hobart has beat Skidmore twice, and that's a, one of the major tiebreakers. But we like our chances to win the conference. You know, we we've got to, you know, even if it's only a share of the conference, it's still something. You know, that at the beginning of the year it was never, hey, I want to make the conference tournament. It was like I want to win the conference. So to do that. We get to play Skidmore, the guy, the team in front of us, and the team that you know. I, I wouldn't rather have it any other way. You know, I don't want to play a ninth, ninth place team in the last day just to win the conference. I want to play the team that's ahead of us that yeah. has earned it. So therefore, we're earning it. You know, it's no one's given it to us, and you know we've had kids that have had that goal all year, and they've played like it. Of course, you've become big Union fans. I'm assuming as Hobart <laughs> will take on Union um, to wrap up the season. So I'm sure you're looking forward to Union maybe knocking off Hobart and giving yourselves a chance. I, I would. I'd be lying if I, I 
said I wasn't a union fan. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, Chris Murphy does a great job, and he's one of my best friends. And I used to work at Union. I was an assistant there for three years. Yep. But I, uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't pulling for that. Um, you talk about your roots. You certainly know this region. You played at Utica um, for four years, among being a triple sport threat. Um, I am. Uh, you kind of played the sports I wish I could have played in college. Uh, you played four years of basketball, which I did not. But you played goalie um, for Utica, which I played for my alma mater though i think you played in about 30 more games than i did um and of course you also played golf for two seasons i really feel bad for you uh with that third one though um but you you then as you point out you you were an assistant coach in a number of different places um uh you kind of stayed in the area and even when you were over in case western you're not that far from the region so you know this region pretty well I've talked to a couple East Region coaches over the, the over this season and talked about how the East feels like it's been down a bit. Um, what's your take on the East Region? Is there a threat that can come out of this region? Yeah, that I, that I don't know. I mean, if you want to count NYU as an East Region team, and they right. are in the regional rankings, they can beat anybody. Right. I've, I've seen NYU a handful of times this year, and they're two big guys. And they're scary. The new, and then the, the new transfer, Akeem, there. I mean, they're as talented as anybody, and they – they're they're tough to beat, and I think that they could definitely come out and make a run. After that, I don't know. You know, um, I know St. John Fisher's having a really special year, and you know they're super well coached and are competitive defensively. So if you can defend, you can play with anybody. And I think that's what our team, our region does well is it does defend well, um, and that translates. Do we have a lot of big bodies like the Wisconsin League or the UAA? No. So that's going to affect us. You know, when it comes to tournament time, but. I do think it's a competitive region. It's a balanced region. I just don't know if there's a, a star program right now with Rochester not having the year that they normally have other than NYU. Um, is this something that can change? I mean, you know, Hobart certainly, and when Mike Neer was there, and then Rochester, of course, when Mike Neer mm-hmm. was there, um, has had some success. Uh, it's not like Skidmore hasn't had some success. And some mm-hmm. other schools, Utica, obviously, while well, you were there, made a nice run to the Sweet 16. Um, it's not that we haven't seen that success, but it seems inconsistent. Some say it's, it's, it comes down to recruiting and that maybe the, the talent pool isn't there as much as it used to be. Do you have to spread your wings maybe a little further outside the, the normal upstate New York area? No question. No question. I mean, there's a lot of schools in upstate New York all competing for the same kids, and you can't all get the ones you want. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's one of the things that, I, that really attracted me to a school like Clarkson is that I can – get out there nationally and any kid that wants to study in the engineering field or the business field or um, a STEM field that they, this is a, a great institution that can set them up for life. And, you know, it doesn't matter if uh, you're from Seattle or Southern California or Florida or Texas, you know, you can be successful here and the, the degree translates. So I do think that this is, you know, something that's important to make your program, um, you know, stand out. And uh, in the East Region, or whatever region you're in, specifically specifically for us in the East Region, um, yeah, I, I do think it's important to you know spread your wings, as you said, uh, to to expand your recruiting uh, base. You're sitting sixth in the regional rankings. I'm pretty sure you know it well enough. That probably means you got to win the AQ. Skidmore and Hobart are ahead of you, obviously, and that could change in the next week or two. Um, but still, I, it it feels like you got to win this AQ, or there's no NCA hopes. Oh, no question. You know, that's something that, you know, most people that don't, that aren't looking at those kind of numbers and understand that have been through it wouldn't get. But I 
I totally agree. We have to win that AQ. You know, you have to win the conference tournament, um, and that's you know how it is. Most of the schools in our region, yeah. um, you know, when it comes down to strength of schedule stuff, and you know, it's sometimes it's a little more difficult to schedule great record teams. Um, you know, when you're three hours from the nearest highway, and yeah. you know, people don't want to play you. Of course, this year you played St. Joseph's Vermont. You played Morrisville State. Um, SUNY Canton and Wells, Oswego State, Potsdam, uh, Elmira, Casanova, uh, Springfield, um, up a, at Springfield, and then you got into conference play. Obviously, it wasn't your schedule. Um, what's your mentality going forward, knowing knowing the region the way you do, knowing as you pointed out um, that you know you got to you got to do some things here to to improve your stats. Are, are you, is the spreading your wings going to also maybe apply to getting out of state and playing some games or getting some those to come to you? Well, yeah, I mean, you'd like to play some tough games, and, you know, it's important to play good games, but it's also important to play games you can win. Yeah, sure. Um, if you play, you know, five five teams that are all, you know, top whatever in the country and you don't win any of them, well, it's almost not good enough to play. You know, you've yeah. got to win some games to build yeah. some confidence and do whatever. But, um, you know, I, I'm under the, under the mentality that I'm not afraid to play anybody. I will play anybody, um, but... You know, it's not as easy just to say, hey, there's a good team in Massachusetts, let's go play them, because, you know, it's a four- and five-hour trip, and we can only make them on weekends because you're not going to take kids out of class on a weekday. So there's a lot more to it than just saying, you know, I want to go play the best teams. Um, You know, there are good teams around here that, you know, are successful every year that I think we can, you know, start a series with, and I would like to do that. But, you know, you have to make those work. I mean, we only really schedule – about three games a year, uh, you know, because we're going to host a tournament, we're going to go to a tournament, and we're going to play Potsdam and Canton every year. So out of conference, we're talking about three other games. You know, this year it happened to be, you know, Wells, Oswego, and uh, Elmira for us this year. Yeah, certainly uh, the win over Oswego, uh, pretty solid. They're having a pretty darn good season themselves. Um, not knocking that, I'm just pointing out, you know, by the way, going up to SUNY Canton, for you guys may not be the end of the world, but – <laughs> um, yeah, it's not the easiest of trips. Um, well, coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's great to see you know Clarkson back in the conversation, as it were. Again, big game coming up against Skidmore. Of course, you got to go on the road. So the last question I've got for you is, what's what's the message to the team in the locker room? Well, it's the same thing we said last night after the win. You know, you gave yourself a chance. Now all you got to do is take advantage of it. They're the team right in front of you. They're the team that's going to control everything. But we get to control our own destiny and, you know, what we do. And, you know, it's, it's a team that doesn't need to be motivated, so I don't really have to say much other than, you know, let's get to work. Well, I appreciate it, and, and good luck getting to work here coming up on that Sunday game. Um, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Oh, I just want to say thanks for having me, and you know what a great job you guys do for, you know, all of Division Three sports and Division Three basketball in particular. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck on that three-hour trip to uh, down south, as it were. Uh, enjoy that. Hopefully, the weather cooperates with you, and we'll look forward to seeing how it turns out on Sunday. Thanks for having me, Coach Jeff Gorski, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Again, they got one last game left. They'll be taking on Skidmore, who's got two games left. And, of course, they're going to have to head southeast to pull that off. Um, And uh, we wish them luck. Great to see you again, as we mentioned, the Golden Knights back in the conversation, as it were. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll uh, jump from New uh, New York 
to uh, the east coast uh, of Maryland. We'll jump down to College of St. Mary's and talk, talk to Coach Chris Harney. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you've got questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoops, Phil. Hope you are enjoying the show. It is uh, the 19th of February, this Thursday show, talking about conference races and certainly the run to the end. As it were, um, you know, really ten days left in the regular season. Uh, well, a lot will be determined in the last in the next ten days, as it is crazy across Division Three all season long, especially on the men's side. Uh, conference races are heated up. Big games coming up here on the weekend that will ter- determine a lot. Or teams just got done playing big games that will determine a lot. Just got done talking to Clarkson. As we point out, there's a team who's going to be playing Skidmore on Sunday. Um, for a chance to at least secure maybe second and maybe an outside chance at first. Um, and so that's important to them, certainly. Well, for the St. Mary's Seahawks, uh, things are a little bit uh, about about the same. They want to, uh, they've wrapped things up with a big win over Christopher Newport to wrap up the uh, end of the season, um, at least to have things come through their neck of the woods in the Capital Athletic Conference. They still have one game left against Southern Virginia and certainly don't want to stumble uh, there either. So we figured it was about darn time we talked to St. Mary's. And so joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is Coach Chris Harney, who is now win 201 in his career at St. Mary's. Congratulations, Coach. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely. 201 was sweeter than 200. Uh, I, I'm sure it was. Uh, as you said to me off air, it's nice to get that monkey off your back, as it were, and, and get that get that regular season title wrapped up so things at least have to go uh, through the O'Brien ARC Arena and Ed Cole Court. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've said this before that, and this isn't any slight to the fans, but coaches really understand how hard it is to win a regular season title. It's, you know, I, I think it's one of the things that maybe gets overlooked, you know, by, by fans of the game, but 
it is it's really difficult. You know, you just you have every team in your league gunning for you, and the pressure of you know being in that first spot, as you as you know, and as you see throughout different conferences, you know, there's teams that will start out in first for a, a while, but then they you know they succumb to the pressure. I think. Um, and sometimes teams will take it, you know, take over late in the, in the season to get that spot. But we're happy to secure it. Uh, I think we're undefeated at home this year, and you know, we feel like it's a huge advantage for us when we play at home. So with our fans and and our arena. So um, um, I am breathing a little bit of relief today. Yes, been through a couple uh, interesting years in the Capital Athletic Conference. It started off, uh, you know, a couple years ago. Status quo, then you know, you know, you guys dominating the league. Wesley certainly playing a major role, uh, and then uh, last year Christopher Newport enters the fray, and along with Southern Virginia and Harrisburg, but Christopher Newport entering certainly shook everything up. Um, they're now in the running along with yourselves and and Wesley. Uh, Mary Washington comes out of nowhere and has a tremendous season, getting to the lead eight. Um, and then this year, you know, I think a lot of eyes thought, well, Wesley might do well, but they're struggling. Christopher Newport certainly down from what we're used to, but Marymount enters the fray, though they may be down and out now after a, a major injury. Salisbury is in the mix. They're sitting in second place in the conference. Mary Washington, mm-hmm. having an 0-10 season outside the conference, has now, I think, clinched a spot for the conference playoffs. I mean, it's just been topsy-turvy, as you point out, closing right down to the end. It's got to be interesting to be coaching the CAC because in the last three years, it's been anything but status quo. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, everything you said is correct. Um, I, the one thing I would add is, is, in my opinion, that I think Salisbury is right now playing some of the best basketball that I've seen. Um, and uh, you know, that's one of the tough things. I know, you know, I know I've talked to you, I've talked to you know, other people, we talk about the regional rankings. And I think that one of the hard things for me as a coach, and I know this is probably, probably speaking for all the coaches, you know, it's just so difficult to judge a team by the early performance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, you know, you kind of get caught up in, oh, how they, well, look what they did against this team in November. And it's, you know, I mean, by February, you're, you can be a completely different team. And I think Salisbury is a, is a perfect example of that. I, I honestly, I would not want to play Salisbury right now. I don't care who, anywhere in the country. Um, they are just playing great basketball right now, and I think that their record does not reflect just how good they are playing right now. I mean, they have a good record, but I think they're even better. Um, and uh, I mean, I believe they've won something like eight in a row or seven in a row. Um, but but they are a very good team right now. And and you know the old adage: you want to play well late, not early. Yeah. Um, so I think all those kind of things, you know, to me as a coach. It's one of the things that I look at when, you know, we, because these regional rankings are so important, but they just are so weighted on, on performance early. And I know that that's the facts, you know, I mean, and that's what we have to deal with. Um, you know, the idea is you're supposed to be successful throughout, but, you know, I mean, we just get handed a lump of clay right at the beginning and we got to kind of piece it all together. And, you know, some teams play great early and fold late and some, some really put it together late. But I think our, our all overall, we're always looking to, play our best basketball come playoff time. Of course, uh, Salisbury's won six in a row, uh, nine of their last ten. You guys have yeah. won 11 in a row. Um, yeah. Yeah, and really, uh, 12, or not even 12, I should say, let's see, uh, 13, 15, 17 of your last 18. 
And what's yeah. interesting, Coach, is you guys, you know, a lot of people I talk to in the Mid-Atlantic, because I, I don't talk to you necessarily to get a gauge on your team. I want to hear other people's opinions. And at the beginning of the season, they said, watch out for the Seahawks. But you guys kind of had a bit of a rough start. Uh, you beat oh, yeah. Bridgewater to start. You lost to Eastern Mennonite, then lost to Delaware Valley. Certainly not bad losses, but just no. two losses out of the gate. And then, of course, you guys got uh, got I'm going to use the word screwed by Mother Nature. Um, <laughs> thanks to the uh, the the winter started with a bang in Buffalo, and it started with two cancellations for you guys. You lost the game against Nazareth, and then the follow up game after that uh, up at Buffalo State. Um, so really, you kind of had this big lull there in, in two games that you kind of lost that were going to be important. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of kind of got it out your doldrums. I would almost say Marymount got that early win. Christopher Newport got you in mid January, but otherwise it's yeah. been all Seahawks. What's what what was the beginning of the season, and what is now? Well, I you know I, I definitely try to schedule the toughest teams I can find. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Mennonite is I have all the respect in the world mm-hmm. for for them and and Coach Dean. They're they're an unbelievable program. Uh, I remember watching that game from where I was sitting, thinking like I was watching a Division II battle. Like yeah. watching this, I mean, uh, uh, Falk at center and. Uh, some of the, the you know the guard the crump I mean these guys are just I mean incredible division three players um, but uh, and, and and I'll say this you know Del Val uh, Eastern Mennonite uh, even Nazareth was in that you know we those were all chosen games because those guys were all I believe either one or two in their coaches preseason bowls um, or maybe in Mennonite's case uh, three but still that's high in the ODAC. Um, yeah, we, we scheduled those games because we really predicted that, you know, all those teams were going to be quality opponents and help our strength of schedule. Um, you know, and, and for us, I think we got out of there and, and, you know, like all teams, we, we, we battled a lot of little things. I think for us, it was chemistry. I mean, we were throwing together some, some new players. We had Tanner Brooks transfer in and, you know, immediately step into a playing role. Uh, and he'd never played with these guys, you know, um, and then, you know, again, lineup-wise, we just kind of we, we shuffled through some injuries and, and the, kind of the usual thing that everybody goes through. And and then out of that, I think we've emerged with just this incredible chemistry right now. I mean, we're, we're just really playing great team basketball. Um, and then I obviously, you know, cannot forget Nick Laguerre. I mean, in my opinion, well, he is the best player I've ever coached, and I've coached some good ones, and I've coached some All-Americans. And he is, without a doubt, the best I've ever seen or coached. Uh, the basketball he's playing right now is it's unstoppable. I mean, he's facing double and triple teams every night, um, and uh, it's really fun to watch. And he still does it within a team concept. I think he has, you know, he's five, six assists every night. Yeah, and that's what's interesting is I think you guys might be flying a little bit on the radar. We know you've got this talent uh, on the team, and Laguerre has certainly been one of those guys who's been around for a long time, been starting since he was a freshman. Um, but I think it's it's the fact that you don't have that dominating force necessarily that's jumping out at people um, on this squad. I mean, we look at the stats, uh, and certainly the stats uh-huh. tell us one story versus something else. And I know you don't have them in front of you, but Laguerre certainly has 21.5 points a game, and, and he's handing out a ton of assists. But it's yeah. Tanner Brooks at 13.5, 12 points from Troy Spurrier. Um and and that's about your big threesome. You got some other guys certainly contributing. Don't want to na- knock that away. Is right. is this maybe one of those scenarios where everyone knew Laguerre was good, so the twenty one and a half points a game is oh okay, so that's Laguerre, and then everything else is not noticed. Um, yeah, I think a little bit. Um, I just you know I think it's one of those 
situations now where it, it's, you know, I, I, again, every, every, we're seeing triangle and two, box and one uh, on a nightly basis. Um, you know, I, I really think, you know, teams have tried, tried everything. You know, they've tried to make it about stopping him. They've tried, you know, they've tried, they've tried to just do single coverage. I mean, I, I know without the junk defenses, he's hit in the upper 20s, and he's done it on, with not a lot of shot attempts. That, that to me, is the most impressive stat for him. It's, you know, we're not talking about a guy who's just taking a ton of shots. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just really picking and choosing and finding his shots within the offense and, and, and still, like I said, at the same time, just main, involving the other guys in a, in, w- with the team concept. Um, and, and that's, again, just feeds into our chemistry right now. I mean, these guys just are really – they really like each other and they, they enjoy playing together, and that's why we're doing well. I mean, it's, it's really kind of the tail of the tape. Another thing that jumps out at me, and and I'm, I'm going to have a little fun with you here for a moment, but two-thirds sure. of the squad is listed as guards. That being said, Danya Jackson's 6'5", uh, Reggie Pittman is 6'5", and I would argue yeah. in Division Three that's more of a wing and forward position than it is a guard. But you've yeah. only listed four guys at forward in Spurrier, Hurley, Jordan Jr., uh, and Carrington, and one guy at senior uh, in Biana, uh Ben, Ben, I can't say his last name. I'm sorry. Miniac. Miniac. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Brain just completely shut down when I went to say that. Of just course, Biniac. MacGyver. I, mean, MacGyver. I like that. That's Trust. The name you just can't get by. A- absolutely. MacGyver's perfect for me. Um, of course, he's six seven at a senior, and, and Charles Carrington's six eight at a for, at forward. I should say. Uh, yeah. MacGyver is a. But so, by listing, by listing, you guys are a smaller team than you usually have been in the past. Um, is is that? changed your coaching strategy um have you guys altered a little bit of what you did because back when you guys were really good and it's not that long ago certainly we're talking two three years ago you had a really nice inside presence but you certainly went through the guards here but here it's looking like you're going through a lot through the guards we are um i would say you know again one of the the you know, one of the things about Division Three is we, we can't always get exactly what we want right. in our recruiting class. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and you know, there's I've heard some coaches use the term that, you know, uh, bigs are like pitchers in, in baseball, you know, lefty pitchers. Sure. Um, uh, sometimes they're hard to get. Um, I, I agree with you. We, we are a, a different team. I, I think this is probably one of the biggest teams guard-wise I've ever had. Um, and we have changed our style. To, to fit that, um, I think if you if anyone watched our game last night against Newport, they would have seen that. Um, we it was a very very physical game, and um, it was probably it was Newport, you know, driving and kicking, and and St. Mary's posting up their guards hmm. a lot, um, and that was really ended up working to our advantage. Um, and and that's something, yeah, it, it's it's by design. I mean, it's the recruit, you know the. The, the overall size of everyone is, is not quite by design, but, you know, I like to always look at what we have and, and really shape what we're doing to fit, you know, those guys and put them in a position to be successful. Um, so that that is something we're doing. And, you know, in the past, I, I was just modeling what I saw at the Final Four, you know, when I would go to mm-hmm. Salem and see the teams in, in, you know, in the finals, you know, a lot of it was high-low teams and, you know, teams that were very deep at the forward position, I mean, especially when you get out in the Midwest. Uh, you know, all those teams come in with just tremendous size, it seems like. Um, and a little bit of, you know, again, just looking at the teams that have success. I mean, you know, obviously, I think 
we all know the NESCAC does well and, and, you know, some of the Wisconsin conferences are out that way. And all those teams are very deep with forwards. So I, I kind of always felt like in order to compete against those guys, you had to model, you know, a little bit of what they were doing. Um, but it's not always perfect as, yeah, as we try to do it through recruiting, but, you know, it's, it's not always what we want. And, and, you know, a good coach, you got to adapt. So that's kind of what we've been doing now, I think. Chris Harney joining us, uh, head coach for St. Mary's. Uh, team again, 19 and four overall, 15 and two uh, in the Capital Athletic Conference. Should point out we're actually talking to him on tape because he's uh, busy recruiting this evening and so uh, taking the time as he drives up to the Baltimore area. Uh, he could have just kept driving right into the house, coach, and joined me in the studio. Uh, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, some year we're going to get you to do that. Um, listen, 200 wins, uh, nothing to shake a stick at, especially when you've done it over the over the course of 10 years. You're averaging 20 mm-hmm. wins a season, and not, not too shabby, as it were. Uh, and obviously, some uh, some years uh, better than others. Uh, 27 and four back in 2013, for example. Um, yeah. What's it like to not only be uh, a 20 game winner at your alma mater, but we've discussed this before, having played there. Um, and certainly St. Mary's was pretty decent when you were there, but to be able to transition this program into at least a team that may, it may not be nationally ranked all the time, but is at least in the national conversation and at least on the minds of those when they talk about, um, the, the best of division three, especially in the mid Atlantic. It's, uh, I mean, it's really special. It's, you know, and you said it like to to have the opportunity to be able to go back to my alma mater, you know, and coach at this program and, and, you know, again, it, it's not just me. I've had some really great assistant coaches, and a lot of people helped me along the way. Um, but, but to be able to get the program, you know, in the conversation on a national level, I take a lot of pride in that. Um, you know, I, I can remember being a player at St. Mary's, and like, you know, like it was yesterday, I we were in a tournament um, on Hampton City, and mm-hmm. I remember looking up at the rafters, you know, and thinking. Wow, we're playing a powerhouse, you know. And it was like Coach Shaver was coaching there, and you know. And I remember thinking, like, this this is a big time program, you know. And and so now I kind of chuckle a little bit every time, you know, people kind of mention St. Mary's nationally, and I'm always like, wow, you know, I wonder if people come in our gym and see our banners and kind of make that comment. And and I take pride in that. I, I think that it, it's a lot of fun for me what we built, and and um, you know, really for me, they, uh, like just with our crowd, we get a great home crowd. And uh, it's it's a lot of the local community along with the college community, and it's it's just it's it's fun, you know. It's there's there's no pro team down in Southern Maryland, and you know the whole local community has really adopted our program, and, and it's just been like sold out at home games, and you know I think the crowd's been a big factor in, in our record at home. Uh, you know it's and you've been down there for some of our home games, I and mean, it's a great atmosphere that we we really put put together down there, and. It just, again, it makes me feel like it's a big team effort. You know, it's the players, you know, my assistants, and, and again, the community around us that kind of really shows up and supports the team. And so, in my opinion, it's like, it, it's small college basketball, but it's 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 just a, it's a great environment, and I think we do a good job of giving our guys a, you know, a good experience over uh, four years. I think it's a fun place to play. And, again, I, I, the fact that I graduated from St. Mary's just makes it extra special for me, you know, and then I'm kind of giving back to, you know, a school that I feel kind of put me in this position in my life right now. It's, you know, it's a dream job. You made five of uh, five NCAA tournaments in six years, 
really until last year, and that made, that made the seventh year where you guys missed out. Of course, your breakout season was 08 when you guys were CAC surprise CAC champs, uh, made to the NCAA tournament, then surprised Ben Strong and Guilford, who were uh, penciled in, I think I would argue, maybe even penned into the Final Four. Knocked them off in the first round, got all the way to, out to to uh, Wash U, being a bracket I would, buster. I would love to know the Massey numbers for that game, oh. if anyone could ever figure oh. that out. I, yeah. I, I'll bet that was one of the biggest. <laughs> that was probably one of the bigger upsets. I mean, you guys ended up getting all the way to Wash U to the Sweet 16. You ended up forcing a flight that no one wanted to see. Well, um, that season, don't forget that season, if you, you could check it, we were 11-5. and five. Yeah. And, and we lost five games in a row, to, or, or um, six in a row, I believe. Five or six in a row to get to 11, or, uh, 11 and 11. Something like, I know it was five or six because I, I remember, you know. Thanks to the great D3hoops.com, I can tell you you lost five in a row, including yeah. uh, seven of, of, of uh, uh, let's right. see, seven of nine. Yeah, um, I remember wondering. It was ugly. Thinking, thinking about a career change at that point. Well, and then the scarier part is then you went three of four. Uh, yeah. losing three or four in, in February before finally right. rattling it off. And you, and you got wins over Guilford. You got a win over Widener. And then you got that yep. uh, Millsaps unceremoniously Millsaps. punted you guys. But, you know, that yeah. was kind of the, the coming out. You missed the tournament the next year, but then it was Sweet 16, Elite 8, yeah. second round, Elite 8. Of course, that second Elite 8 being in Salem, your first visit to Salem, when that, of course, was a year that we had the Final Four in Atlanta. But then Great you miss experience. out. Yeah. Then you miss out last year. And and yeah. I and knowing you that bugs you and I'm yeah. kind of curious how much has that motivated you how much has that motivated the team especially the likes of of Nick Laguerre? Um, I think I think you know yes to all those questions. <laughs> it, the, um, it, it's it's motivated. It's definitely motivated us. I mean we we talked about it as a team and uh, and if anybody knows me that you could be sure it motivated me. Um, you know, so as I speak in this car, as I drive, um, and I mean, it, you know, I'm I'm as competitive as they come, and and I definitely, um, you know, I, I think the program I've created, I try to you know instill that in our players, and and it was tough for us not making it last year. You know, we definitely have built something where I feel like our upperclassmen really try to pass things down to our younger players, and. And it was hard on our seniors last year. I, I think that was something that really, really uh, was frustrating for them. And I know, in a way, I would I would really give a lot of the credit to the season we're having right now to those seniors last year. Because um, I, I think on their way out, I think they really let the underclassmen know how much they regretted, you know, maybe not, you know, Giving a little more, you know, in that in that chase to, to make you know make the tournament, and uh, and I think that left a big impression on these returning guys. And so, you know, that that's what you hope for as a coach. I mean, I, and again, you you know, when as coaches we try to build programs and we try to, you know, have some kind of like core philosophy and things. And and that's one of mine definitely is that I really want my upperclassmen always to kind of pass things down, and. Uh, and even in adversity and failure, and you know, and I don't call that a failure because I think we had a good year. Um, I think we did a lot of good things last year, but not making the tournament certainly was a disappointment. And like I said, I felt like those seniors, even though that was a, a, a frustrating moment, I still feel like the great lesson there was that they passed that on. You know, that they they overcame that and passed on to our underclassmen that you know, look, next year you got to get the job done. You got to pick the flag up. Um, and you know, right now we haven't 
we haven't gotten there yet, you know, and, and we're still working at that. You know, this, this winning the regular season title, I really believe, is a big step towards trying to get to the tournament. Um, and we place a lot of emphasis on that, you know, winning that regular season title. Um, so we still have, you know, a lot of work to do. Our, our, I, I've mentioned earlier about Salisbury. I mean, Christopher Newport, unbelievable opponent, unbelievable team. Marymount, unbelievable opponent, unbelievable team. And, and again, we go down the list. I, I think our league is a great league. I think we have great coaches in our league that you can, I mean, look at Southern Virginia. I mean, just, again, you can't fall asleep on anybody. And, and these coaches do a great job of preparing their teams and, so we still got a lot of work ahead of us, uh, you know, to try and make this tournament. But I like where we're at right now. We're playing well, and uh, we're just going to try to focus on the next game and see what happens. Um, speaking of which, you look at your SOS, it's a 480 right now. It's certainly not where you probably would like to have it. Losing those two games certainly didn't help you in that department. Um, yeah. And But at the same time, you, you look at your conference, uh, and the bottom of the conference has been hurting everybody, and I think we saw it last year for the first time in the sense that you didn't get in that large bid. Yeah. How much do you – obviously you need to, to, to affect your out-of-season scheduling, and, and that's what you can do, and you certainly, as you point out, you, you played Eastern Mennonite, you played – uh, teams that you tried to, to to boost those numbers, and certainly you always look that way. You never shy away. But is yeah. there conversations that then take place in conference? And I ask this of coaches around the country, uh, and I get different answers. So I'm kind of curious: is there conference conversations now in conference of, hey guys, help us out? Uh, I know we're at the top, and we're asking the bottom to do a little bit more. But is there something we can do here um, to, to to facilitate this being? Um, a conference that can get multiple bids, or is that a topic you can't approach? Um, I, you know, honestly, and I'm not saying this to be a nice guy. I just, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for the coaches in our league. I mean, we we have some incredible young coaches, some incredible veteran coaches. These guys are working their tails off. I mean, <laughs> you know, D3 is like Noah's Ark. You know, each one of these programs is unique and different. We're all saddled with a different set of, you know, uh, positives and negatives, uh, you know, as far as, you know, our admissions, our recruiting, our our budgets, our, you know, all those things. There's just so many different variables. So it, it's difficult for me to really, you know, judge or, you know, I, I couldn't go to a coach and say, you know, hey, come on, let's do better. You know, these, these guys are, are doing everything they can. I think, you know, and and I'm sure you'd agree with me. You know, the Mid Atlantic is a, is is just. I mean, it's D3 basketball. I mean, there's just there's recruits, there's schools everywhere. Pennsylvania, it's like a thousand, you know, Division three colleges. Uh, this is a competitive region for recruiting for uh, all of, all of the above. Uh, being a head coach of a Division three program in this, in this area. Is, is just an all-encompassing task. And, and I think these guys are doing the best they can. Uh, you know, it's, it's something with our league. I think right now you're seeing, you know, obviously I think you see some consistency with some programs of being at the top. Um, but, you know, I, I think that these other programs with time are, are going to improve. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of coaching turnover, and I think some of those programs are trying to find their way. You know, and it takes a while. You know, for me, I, we 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 got going pretty quick. Um, 
but it still took a lot of recruiting and a lot of you know nights in the car and a lot of hot dogs um, to, to get those guys in there. Ultimately, your recruiting is is what you know fuels your success. I, I I don't think anyone would disagree with that. And and you know I think for some of the schools in our league, it's just a process of, of getting their feet under them and, and getting some recruiting classes in, get that depth, you know, to to make them more competitive. Um, you know, I, I do. I think the coaches are doing everything they can. I just think sometimes it just takes time. You know. But you know, as a result, can happen. as a result, yeah. you know you got to win this conference. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. And and you know, I, I, I we put a lot. I've said it before. We we put a lot of emphasis on winning this regular season title. I mean, I, I always say a first step. I, I mean, before you even think about anything else, this has to be your first focus. Um, I mean, just for the at-large ramifications and, th- and things of that, you know, things of that nature. Um, you know, you're just not really. Got, it's difficult to go anywhere as a two seed. You know. Yeah. No, I hear you. Hey, Bud, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, certainly, great chatting with you. I can't believe we waited this long. Normally, we chat with you sooner. Um, no, no problem. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you have to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, yeah, I, I would say, and I think I've said this before, I just want to, you know, thank you and thank all the guys, you know, that, that you have working with you that, I mean, and, and really, you know, I know I follow D3 Hoops religiously and, you know, all these guys that do kind of do the field reports and, you know, it's just, it's really great what you guys are doing for these, you know, student athletes, these these young men out there that are, that are playing, you know, on non-scholarship basketball and, you know, putting in countless hours, you know, towards this experience that's D3 basketball and it's you know and to all the coaches and, and again to you, it's all all the, all these people that we're, we're trying to give these guys a, a really great experience I mean we're all trying to do that and uh, I just think it's it's something that you know the reward is just seeing these guys when they make shots or win a game it's you know it's really fun to watch you know these are just things they're going to remember their whole lives and and you know, they won't always remember, you know, the, the, the reports or the write-ups and things like that. And so you guys definitely always deserve a big thank you, I think, because it does mean a lot to these guys. And, and you know, it, it, you're, you're touching people's lives. I know it sounds a little, a little hokey, but I really believe that, and I think it's a special thing that you guys do. So thanks for me. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate you taking the time. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll obviously enjoy watching the last 10 days of Seahawks regular season basketball, and hopefully we'll see you dancing in the NCAA tournament as well. Appreciate it. Would love to see you at Salem. Absolutely. Uh, take care of yourself. Okay. Chris Harney joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, team is 19-4 and overall, locking up the regular season title uh, with a win over Christopher Newport, so everything has to go through St. Mary's uh, in the Capital Athletic Conference uh, tournament. Um, of course, they will then play Southern Virginia coming up here on Saturday before taking a few days off and uh, starting the CAC semifinals on the 26th as they get a first-round bye in the CAC tournament. Thanks, Coach Chris Harney, for joining us. Got to take another break. When we come back, plenty more Hoopsville ahead. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA national champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship. 
March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia. Hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world? And there we are. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this show. We are well past our two hours, but at this point, we're going two and a half normally on any night. There is so much to talk about and so many people to talk about. I want to thank all our guests so far. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, we're going to hear from Charlie Titus here coming up. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that I should have mentioned that I'm just some reason didn't get my brain wrapped around the fact uh, was how about the, we talked about Caltech men. They have won three of their last four conference games. They've won three games in conference, which is more than the last 42 years combined. And then the Caltech women got involved winning their first conference game in five years last year. I, I love that Caltech is moving towards, I don't know what they're moving towards. They're just moving forward. It's terrific. Um, and, and hats off to them, to be sure. It's 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 stellar. Um, uh, so we're hopefully um, going to hear, uh, you know, hear from them. We may hear from them down the road. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but first and foremost, uh, somebody... Uh, um, talking to us about St. Mary's says St. Mary's at least 20 wins this season, put them in the dance. Listen, it's not that simple. It's just not that simple. I, I realize a lot of people don't know this and don't appreciate it, but strength of schedule results versus regionally ranked opponents, head to head competition, common opponent competition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is so complex. It's not cut and dry. Just because you have 20 wins does not automatically mean you're in the NCAA tournament. Last year, Staten Island had two losses. They were, I think, 24-2, and two, if memory serves. I'll look them up real quick for you. I think they were 24-2 and two last year. Maybe 25-2. and two. Hold on, just give me a second. 28 and 3, but I think they may have played some. Hold on. They may have played some, some other games. Hold on. Let's double check this. Yeah, they played some games after that. So take three wins off of there. They were 25 and 3 last year. 
did not make the NCAA tournament. Poor SOS. St. Mary's has an SOS of 480 right now. That is danger zone. Some of the things that I have gleaned from many a conversation, I said at the beginning of the show, anybody has lower than a 667 winning percentage, let's just start saying they're out of the NCAA tournament. If they make it, then we're pleasantly surprised. But 667 or below, winning percentage, non-AQ. We're talking at large bids here, pool C in, in both men and women, and I'm only talking men right now. There are no pool Bs. Pool C bid, 667, not making the NCAA tournament. Let's just let's just put that down now. If you have a below 667 winning percentage, you're not making the NCAA tournament. Doesn't matter your other criteria. If some teams make it, great, but let's just start there. Let's have that be a benchmark. Your other benchmark, if your SOS is below 500, you're not making the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. Okay? I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but let's set those as benchmarks. 667 winning percentage, 500 SOS. If you are below those lines, let's call them a Mendoza line from baseball, you're not making the NCAA tournament. Let's just start there, and we will build from there. If teams get at large bids with numbers below that, so be it. But we're starting at a – so at least we have a line in demarcation to say that's where it stands. St. Mary's has an SOS of 480. It could come up. It won't come up on thanks to Saturday with Southern Virginia. But it could come up with the Capital Athletic Conference Tournament two games. Could come up. As a result, they might go above 500, and that will help them. They played Christopher Newport on Wednesday. That will help it go up, but Southern Virginia will have it go down. So let's just say they stay at 480. Two games, potentially... Salisbury in the championship game, let's just argue. Maybe Christopher Newport, Marymount, or somebody in, in the semifinals. I don't remember off the top of my head. That might allow it to come up. But let's just start demarcation line, 667 and below in your winning percentage and 500 and below in your SOS, not making the NCAA tournament. That will give you a sense of how this works in Division Three. We don't have an RPI. I don't know how an RPI necessarily will translate in Division Three. We have too many other variables. I don't know how it would translate. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Twitter or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Of course, email Hoopsville d3hoops.com. If you have questions for us, please let us know. One of the deans of basketball is probably Charlie Titus out of Mass Boston. We are privileged enough to have Mass Boston at the Hoopsville Classic in its very first year. We certainly enjoyed him being there and great to meet Charlie Titus. I've been on Mass Boston's campus, but not for basketball, believe it or not. It was for ice hockey. and They're pretty darn good at ice hockey. Anyway, Charlie Titus is retiring at the end of the season. And this week, uh, the Mass Boston Behind the Beacon segment, Behind the Beacon, I should say, segment, took a moment to uh, talk to Charlie Titus. We asked if we got permission to run part of that. And so we are running the part of Charlie Titus talking about his career at Mass Boston coming to an end. And this is their segment from Mass Boston. We had a vision 40 years ago, and I sold that vision 
to some of the players that we recruited over and over again. So we, we had hopes, we had dreams, we had aspirations. Along the road, we were sort of trying to make sure that we were fulfilling those dreams and aspirations, that we were doing everything we, we could uh, to give our basketball team um, an opportunity to grow and to develop and to become you know, a premier team in the sports world, particularly in, in New England and, and hopefully around the country. Um, and it was the role model in the, le in, in the leadership position uh, for the rest of the sports here at the university. It was the first intercollegiate sport that we had. So, you know, being a part of that has been amazing, and, and um, it's not a daily thought, but when you look back and you say, gee, this is where we were in 1974, gee, this is where we were in 1982, or gee, this is what happened in 1992, it's sort of like, wow, you know, we've been doing okay. Anytime you win a conference championship, that's, a, that's an accomplishment that you got to be proud of. Particularly in a conference like ours, it's so doggone competitive and you don't get a free ride at any night. You got to go play every night. I think the 206 um, championship was a great accomplishment for us and, and it was made even sweeter because my son was a part of that team, an important part of that team. A tournament in Miami, it had a couple of Division three teams and, and Division two teams in the tournament. And the first game, um, we were matched up against Georgia Southern, which was actually a division, uh, small division one team. They were big, 6'10", 6'9", 6'10". And um, I'm sorry, Georgia Southwest. We were, um, we were supposed to get killed. The morning before we played that game, I was down in the hotel. It was a hotel on the beach, and I was down getting some breakfast. And all of a sudden, I heard this chant. And I looked out, and it was our whole team running up the beach, chanting. And I, I'd never seen them do anything like that before. And they ran right by me, and I looked at them, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? They said, we're getting ready to play, coach. We went out and won that game. <laughs> we won it. And um, the coach actually was so upset, he wouldn't even shake our hands. He put his kids in the van and just took them home. <laughs> so that, that was a favorite moment. That was a good one. And AJ is a guy who... Uh, Listen, he grew up in this program. I, I remember being at practice with A.J. in my arms as a baby. Um, you know, there are pictures around here of A.J. in the huddle as, as a little four or five-year-old with the team. So he knew he knew UMass. He went to, to summer camp here for the summers, and this was home to him. Um, you know, you, it's rare that you get an opportunity um, to coach your son. There have been some father and son combinations, but not a whole lot of them. And... Um, when you have an opportunity to do that on a team that's a championship team and to watch your son make the sacrifices that are necessary for his team to win. When we went to play the championship at Keene State, who had beaten us twice that year, and for AJ to, to step up and just sort of take over that game um, and to score big time, I mean, he hit critical buckets in that game and became the MVP of that game. Um, those are special moments that you just most people just don't get a chance to enjoy. There are a couple of things, and, and you look at the signs. One is, I never, ever, ever wanted to feel like I was an old coach, quotes. Um, and I don't feel like that now, but I can see it coming. So, you know, when you can see it coming, you're saying, like, you know, the energy level is, I still have energy, but it's not the same. It's not the same energy level. Because, you know, there's never been a time that I can remember from the time I was, I guess, eight, five, six years old, whenever I started playing back with the old Columbia Point Tigers, 
that I did I was not in a basketball season. I wasn't preparing for the season. I wasn't a part of a season. There was a uh, a vice chancellor here named Lee Tubbs, who took a chance on a uh, a young 24 year old guy who who had no coaching experience. Um, and then in 1980, he took a chance again um, on a young 30-year-old guy who had no administration experience and made him the athletic director. So I owe so much to Lean and sort of his willing to take the gamble, his mentorship through those years, and um, his belief in me made a big, big difference in my life and my career. And of course, my wonderful wife, who's been with me through this whole journey, um, and she started with me before the journey started. So. You know, it's hard to go through um, and not say thank you to those people and let them know um, how much they really meant to me as I went through this journey. Far too many of them for me to name, but they're there, they know who they are, and they need to know that I know and that I appreciate their being on the journey with me and making sure that the journey was a good one. Once again, forgot our, our microphone. Uh, I want to thank again Mass Boston for allowing us, Athletics Department, for allowing us to use that video from their um, Behind the Beacon series. Came out just today. Happened to spot it just in time. I'm so glad we can use it. Great to hear Charlie Titus talk about his program. Listen, I'm on, a, on that token, I'm going to take a page out of the YD3 show. If you have stories that you think deserve to be on Hoopsville, let us know, or the YD3 show. Especially if you put videos together. We would love to run them. Uh, if they if they fit and if appropriate, et cetera, we will run them. Um, so email us, tweet us, et cetera. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or, or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, big week and a half ahead. Big games coming up this weekend as some conference tournaments start, NESCAC, NACC, uh, and other conferences kind of wrap up regular seasons and line up for conference tournament action. Not all bids in conferences are set. Look at the MAC Commonwealth. All the bids are set, but only one seed is set. It's a five-team tournament. Number one, Lycoming's locked. Two, three, four, and five. Steven, no particular order. Stevenson, Hood, Alvernia, and Arcadia are tied at nine and six. The kicker, none of them play each other. None of them play each other. Um, so they all play. And by the way, Lycoming's off. So all of them are playing the bottom half. The top half, not counting Lycoming, is playing the bottom half. It's 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 unreal. How crazy it is in that conference. Other conferences, the number one seed is not set. We talked to Averett earlier today in men's basketball. They're playing William Peace basically for that number one seed. It is it is uncanny what's going on in Division Three basketball this year, and it's it's just nuts. By the way, speaking of nuts, you should have seen the end of the Lycoming Stevenson game. I have never seen a tip in buzzer beater so close. Never seen it that close. It was crazy close. Actually, have it on video. I want to show it to you. We don't have the call, but we have the last shot. 
and so forth. So I'll, I'll try and just, just watch the video and appreciate this. This is the final shot. There's about five seconds on the clock. Watch, Watch the, the clock. clock. Seven, ten, ten, six, five, four, three. Two. Could, could you, you get, get any closer, closer than that? that. Just, Just look, look at, at how, how close, close that, that is. is. In, his in his hand, hand in his hand, hand in his hand. hand, in his hand, hand still there, still there. Light hasn't gone off yet. Still in his hand, still in his hand. Light goes off. And when we, when we reviewed, reviewed it, it, it looked, 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 looked like, like it was, it was out of his hand. You can't tell there because it's a little blurry. But unbelievable finish in the Lycoming-Stevenson game. To say the least. Lycoming won on that tipping. Pretty impressive. Pretty darn impressive. Going to wrap this up. If unless you got questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be on the air starting at 7 o'clock. Thursday we'll be on the air starting at 7 o'clock. And then a week from Sunday we'll be on the air most likely starting at 6 o'clock and going for several hours. Still working on how we're going to do that. Had some success with last year's women's bracketology, though we did it way too late to th do a good job with it. So Pat and I will talk it over, figure out what we might do next week. Um, but stay tuned. Of course, then following Monday on March 2nd, we'll be on the air after the selections have been made and talk to both committee chairs as well. Uh, if you have guest ideas, let us know. But certainly we're trying to talk to those who are in play at this point in time, and that will include maybe some upsets as soon as Thursday evening or anybody who may be on the bubble, as it were. Lots to cover in Division Three. It is this time of year where it's it's crazy, and keeping track of it all is certainly hard to do. We love doing this show, and we will once again plug, please give us your assistance if you can and donate. We have a fundraising campaign. We've already tweeted tonight about it. We'll tweet it again. We'll try and tweet it as much as we can over the course of the next 10 days to have you uh, to remind you of it. We certainly would love your assistance. Any amount will help. We are sixty, almost 60% to our goal. Our goal this year is half of our goal last year, and our goal last year we beat. So we're essentially a quarter of the way to the mark we raised last year, and last year's money went to new cameras, new microphones, new cables, new lighting, new computer, travel expenses, bills that had been mounting up. All of that got taken care of. Also made some charitable donations with it. We're looking for a little additional help if we can. We try to be humble about it, and humble has not gotten us very far. So I appreciate any help you might be able to provide and willing to provide us here on the show. We will continue to tweet that information out when we get the chance. Uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up. Don't see any other questions, so it doesn't seem to be any need for us. Well, uh, hold on. Have to sit here and hope that all the uh, – it's a shame their SOS will hurt them if they don't win the CAC. This team is easily a top 62 team in the nation. Okay, let's, let's get one thing out of everybody's mind because this is true with every single NCAA tournament 
in all divisions, the championship tournaments are not the top X amount of teams in the, in the country. Let's remember this. You can't have that when you have automatic bids. And the NCAA is built with automatic bids going to conferences. That's in all divisions, including Division I March Madness. That's how you get the mid-majors to get those automatic bids. Arguably, more mid-major teams should be in the NCAA tournament because they probably are some of the best teams in the country, but the big boys get all the bids. But the Division Three men's and women's basketball tournaments are not the top 62 and top 64 teams in the country. That's not how it works. We've had top 25 teams not make the tournament. It happens. It happens because there's automatic bids. So the at-large selections come down to criteria. If your criteria is not good enough to be the top 19 teams remaining, you don't make the NCAA tournament. 19 at-large bids. Remember that. 19 at-large bids. That's what is left in the NCAA tournament. 19. So you need to be the best 19 teams left who did not win your automatic qualifier. Go win your automatic qualifier. If you don't, you got to be one of the best 19 teams remaining. There are 442 women's schools in the country. They have 21 at-large bids. Think about that. 442 schools. Minus the 40-some-odd bid. So let's just say 400 and round it even. 400 teams left and 21 bids. It's kind of the same on the men's side. About a little less than 400 teams, 19 bids available. It's not about being the top 62 or 64 teams in the country. That's not how these championship tournaments are created. They're, that is not how, that's not the premise behind the tournaments. That's the premise behind professional sports. But even then, you could argue that the top teams still don't get in. Because let's look at the NFL last this past season, and you have automatic bid coming from the NFC South with a below 500 team, right? Got a home game too, right? Were the best teams in the NFL playing in the playoffs? No. Are the best teams playing in the Major League Baseball playoffs? No. Are the best teams playing in any professional playoff? No. There's always a team left out because they're in a particular conference or they just couldn't get the wild card. But there's always a team who gets in because they got that automatic bid. This isn't about the top teams in the country making the NCAA tournament. It's just not it. So Saul Stevenson, I'm sorry, St. Mary's, their SOS is killing them at 480. It's too bad it hurts them. Yeah, it's too bad it hurts them. But that's the rules. That's the playing field. We're, we're, that's the guidelines. You're going to sit here and hope all the number ones in each conference win just if the unthinkable happens in the CAC. There are, there are 19 at-large teams hoping everybody wins the AQ that should win the AQ. But I will warn you now, there are some conferences like the WIAC, two bids are coming out. Whitewater, Stevens Point, they're going. Randolph-Macon, they're going if they lose the ODAC. Virginia Wesleyan, they're going. There's, there's some conferences where this is a lock for two bids. 
You need to do your job and win games, especially if you have a low SOS. I'm sorry. I get there are good teams left at home. There are good teams left at home every single year. We all know it. Win your games. Win your conference. Win your conference, and this isn't even a conversation point. Again, we'll be on the air Sunday starting at 7 o'clock. Probably going two and a half hours. Lots to talk about. If you got ideas for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and message us. Don't forget the show is available on YouTube, archived immediately after we finish, or you can go right back now and listen to segments. Also, podcast available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, we will primarily talk Northeast, Atlantic, South, and West. I'm sorry, Central regions next week. However, we may throw in a couple extra teams in there too, as we just have so much to cover in Division Three basketball at this time of year. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank our guests from Puget Sound, also from DePaul, both women's basketball teams. I want to thank Averett men's basketball, along with. Clarkson and St. Mary's men's basketball teams and also Mass Boston's efforts to get us the Charlie Titus sound. Appreciate all the SIDs who assisted as well. We'll be back on the air, as we mentioned. By the way, uh, the graphic just popped up over my shoulder. Bard has won 11 games this year. How about that, huh? It is just a crazy year. Caltech and Bard having good seasons by their standards. Lots to cover, and if you would be so kind to help us do it, don't forget about the Hoopsville Fundraising Project. We would love your assistance, and there are great perks to take advantage of. We would certainly hope you'll take advantage of them. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Certainly appreciate you taking the time to do it. Don't forget, Regional Rankings will be back on Wednesday night next week. Once again, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the City of Salem and the NABC, National Association of basketball coaches. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by those fine groups of people. We hope you will tune in back here on Sunday evening. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Have a good evening. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you back here on Sunday night. Good night, everybody.